Uh, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the school committee meeting of October 20th, 2022. We are returning from executive session where we met for the purpose of discussing strategy with respect to collective bargaining units A and E as an open meeting may have had a detrimental effect on the bargaining position of this public body. Uh, we apologize for a bit of delay. Uh, we also had a workshop prior to discuss um, a June staff survey. So lots, lots happening, uh, good stuff. And what we're going to do now is get started with our first item on the agenda, which is the superintendent report, item E. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. First item here I have for highlight is that uh, we sent out a district letter uh, regarding MCAS. Uh, individual MCAS reports uh, have been sent to households. Uh, depending on the turnaround time, they, I'd say they should arrive by tomorrow or the next day. Uh, and you know they are very consistent with uh, the past as well. And just as a reminder, uh, they were sent out last year, but this year represents the full MCAS. Um, and you know we had a presentation at the last meeting as well uh, to kind of review sort of the trends that were happening. Um, we are consistent with the state and or landed above the state as far as where the trends are. There is a major gap that is recognized by our district and, and across the state that there is a terrific effort to uh, really address the, the learning gaps, achievement gaps um, imposed by you know, sort of the COVID experience and really trying to regain uh, the 2019 levels. Um, it's incredibly important. We're poised to do it. Uh, our district goals reflect it, especially our, our work around data and knowing how students perform uh, using MCAS data. MCAS is a standardized test. It's been with us for a really long time, multiple decades. Uh, and it, it, it went on pause and it went through a different uh, element last year, excuse me, the year before. Um, and it returns now. It, it is not the be-all and end-all, but it is a key piece of data regarding student performance, achievement, and growth. Uh, it tells us a lot. It, it gives us great information about how we can work with students, what their needs are, what standards uh, we need to emphasize in a greater way, what instructional methods might be needed, uh, and what design is there. So with all of that, um, that lands at the highest level. What most parents will tell us is, you know, how did my particular child do? Well, those reports are, are coming out. And uh, I would just end by saying, you know, at, they either have been presented at school council or will be, uh, and there'll be some accompanying slide deck and video that, that can help it. Mr. Fogel's uh, video was made available to everyone. And if anyone out there has any questions, sort of making sense of the report, making sense of how their uh, student performed, uh, or if there's any questions educationally linked back to that, just reach out to the building administration uh, and we certainly can help you and would welcome that. You know, I, I think it's really important. Uh, there's a line there that I used in the letter that this is a partnership around the students' learning uh, and we all have a stake in elevating the learning and enhancing our school communities and really reaching that level of, of being champions of excellence. Part of that is just communication and openness and uh, make that phone call to the school or write that email if you need some help of support. Next one is a really nice highlight. I, I uh, thank Vice Chair uh, Ms. O'Halloran who joined me in welcoming the annual donation for the Waterfall Hill. Uh, that, that apartment complex has a mission uh, to 
engage in some community service and make this donation. So they always show up with a, a donation check in about three or four boxes of school supplies, backpacks uh, that we um, we divvied up a little bit and got to the schools and it really helps families that need that. So to Sandy and Martin, thank you so much. Um, I think they like the annual picture as much as even just dropping off and visiting. They get pretty excited. The rain stopped for us to do that photo so we were we were grateful for their visit. And sometimes people match, not on purpose. <laughs> yes, I would Got like to direct, direct everyone to that photo. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, and you, you called it out, so let's let's go there, right? And check it out. And we realized, you know, our school committee rep and our, our donors match, so we put them right in the middle. Um, <laughs> uh, tonight in teaching and learning, we're going to hear... Uh, around the district, what is uh, the work that's being done around STEAM. We're incredibly excited about this. Uh, STEAM, as we know, stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math. Uh, in some areas of the state and in the world, you'll hear STEM. Most folks are adding art because it's a critical part and dovetails nicely with it. It's always been STEAM here. Uh, it is celebrated in a great way and in different ways. It's really integrated into some projects there's a lot of thinking and a lot, a lot of interdisciplinary work that happens with regard to these across the different levels, age appropriate. We see uh, Justin Martin there working with a student. It even lands uh, in the realm of the visual displays, uh, the amount of critical thinking and the work and the collaboration. It's really a fun week um, and really an integration. And it really is to spark different skill sets and employment opportunities uh, and, and really engages students um, in thinking in a certain way that really leads well into um, some of these occupations, majors, uh, further aspira aspirational pursuits. At the end there, I just want to give a shout out uh, to the robotics team that did a e-waste drive and demonstration, kids and bots at the uh, Canton Farmers Market. So robotics is really, really big and popular and um, just a really a powerful group in, in developing students. It was started at the high school by Ms. Katie Healy. Uh, it has gone to Jess Murphy at the, at the middle school and really into the elementary schools. And there's all different levels. It's, it's a wonderful way. I highly encourage folks to get involved in the robotics program. Uh, and thank you all that engaged in the e-waste drive during that. Just also for the Cairns Farmers Market, it's not in the report. Uh, I think they had up to about 19 or 20 entrepreneurial um, submissions or displays. A lot, of the, a lot of our students participated in that. Um, I wasn't able to attend. I was talking to the folks that run the market and they kind of put it out there as an idea. Um, Shark Tank and you know being an entrepreneur is really in vogue in young, young folks right now and uh, they responded well and they, they were like we just threw it out to see if it was another way to get our community involved and it ended up being a real success. So we'll see if they make it on the Shark Tank. Um, <laughs> The next item is our SAT, PSAT uh, testing day uh, and pre-ACT pre as well. So a few years back, um, the PSAT asked schools to consider a during the day uh, testing that could happen. Um, schools had the option of going back to the Saturdays or continuing to adopt it during the school day. As a district and as a, as a high school, we really adopted it during the day. It was really getting these standardized exams uh, in the hands is the highest percentage of students that we could. Um, our old numbers were probably in the low 80s as far as percentage of students taking them. Uh, 
that were eligible. To move this up into the high 90s, 96% uh, of uh, 11th graders and 93% of sophomores taking the pre-ACT pre and 72 seniors taking SAT, it really um, allows that opportunity and access that may not be there. You know, you think about it, it's a Saturday. If you're working, if you don't have a ride, um, if there are means, if there's family commitments, students have all different experiences during their life to be able to carve out a little bit of time. Now, truth be told, I'm not the biggest fan of standardized testing. And I was never a fan as a student or as an administrator, as an educator of SATs. And, and it's interesting watching how colleges have adapted where they've gone test optional. Um, that being said, it is a type of experience and genre that uh, one engages with that, that's healthy and it's part of test-taking strategy and you do it and you have that opportunity. What I can tell you from personal experience with my family, once you start taking the PSATs and SATs, it really connects that particular student with the college databases. And as a result, there's a great deal of material that are sent to the homes and it really gets students thinking uh, around what's the next step for post-secondary moves. Is it university, is it a college, as such. Uh, so the experience of going through it, having the focus of, of engaging in a standardized exam, we saw merit scholarships and merit commended uh, students in the past that achieve at a really high level. Going through the experience uh, in preparation, getting the mindset for uh, a post-secondary experience and then getting also really the, the literature and the information from uh, the college, it's, it's really worthwhile. So to Dr. Chamberlain uh, and her team uh, and Ms. Murray, Mr. Sperling and his team, every educator, that is a all hands on deck day uh, to get it done and they did it really well, so we thank them. Uh, also at CHS, a really, really cool event that happens annually is the Coffee House. Uh, and it's, you can see it's set outside, has the lights, has the coffee, has the, has the environment, and it, it gives students an opportunity to show their personal talents. You know, they sing, they play uh, their instruments, their songs are personal to them. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful show and really important uh, for our students to have that opportunity. Also in CHS in the performing arts realm, uh, they had the opportunity to go see the, the President's Own United States Marine Band performance at Symphony Hall. Um, this is something that, you know, they bought their own tickets and coordinated with their parents, but it was encouraged sort of as a group and uh, thought it was a really neat thing to highlight um, just to bring that exposure of high-level performance, uh, and they loved it. So, Update-wise, we have our equity audit focus groups happening, kicking off uh, tomorrow. That's with our uh, um, staff and students. Uh, families are upcoming as such. And, you know, there's... Uh, in kicking this off and launching it, um, I love that multiple perspectives come into play around it and there are questions that are asked. Um, had the opportunity to talk to some folks uh, throughout the week around the equity audit. So just in the opportunity to continue to uh, bring folks to the table and understand even more what it is. I did a little bit of writing um, and I'll read it. In an effort to get students what they need and ensure successful outcomes for every student Equity is, is greatly based on empathy, listening, and an authentic understanding of the many perspectives, life experiences, and learning experiences in the school community, especially those that are not your own. The ultimate goal is to foster a greater sense of belonging, 
remove barriers to one's learning, ensure access to opportunity, like we just talked about with regard to having that testing day during the school, uh, <clears throat> and to elevate achievement for every single student, ensure support and systems are in place to help every child reach one's full potential. It's a, a very aggressive mindset and an appropriate one. You've heard every student mentioned. Uh, and in working with PCG, uh, the group that we hired to work on this, uh, it, it's been a theme of theirs to think about it not as all, but as every student. Um, and that is a challenge. And even in discussions with folks, um, I have mentioned, you know, when I grew up, there wasn't an equity audit. You know, why, why now? Well, when we were growing up and going through the educational system, there was not an attentiveness to every single student. There has been a shift. A lot of our uh, language around educational law or initiatives have really included that um, in that shift. Schools were treated sort of as whole bodies, and you had to perform uh, in those particular elements. It has become much more personalized. We understand our students at a higher level. We understand uh, the needs of our, our families as well. Then the other reference that I, I made mention is that uh, it was well known to hear the concept of no child left behind. No child left behind certainly had a ring that everyone embraced. Uh, and I, I will tell you though, having taught through it, it was primarily based on assessment and performance and simply, simply uh, just doing that as a routine. It never got to the root cause of how to unleash and elevate the potential of each and every student. It just had that initiative to name it as such that no child was left behind, which is noble, right, and important. And as we shift Department of Ed, uh, secondary and elementary education, uh, educational professionals, uh, certainly the groups that we work with, equity has become the main priority and it's grounded in really ensuring that there's just the, the quality education and the needs of each and every particular child and addressing it, especially in the wake of COVID when it impacted everyone in different ways and what is consistent that binds us together uh, is that we have this opportunity to learn about one another uh, much in a, in a much more deeper way, in an empathetic way and respond accordingly and respond in a very meaningful, tailored and personal way. So with that, I just wanted to share that a little bit. Equity Audit is for our students, our families, our educators, and our school community. And it's rooted in our district goals and our core values, and it's a moral imperative. We look forward to the recommendations to elevate the educational experience of every student. And the last nugget before important dates and events uh, is something that is around school scout time for next year. So one aspect that, that folks uh, we gave her feedback two years in a row based on when Labor Day falls. We have started prior to um, We have started prior to uh, Labor Day this year. We did two staff days two days with students and then had the Friday off uh, prior to uh, uh, Labor Day so one of the things that we heard feedback from parents is if you could set, we know the whole calendar is set a little bit later in the year, but if you could at least establish the first day of the year, that would be appreciated. So just in collaboration uh, with the CTA, there's a mutual agreement to start before September 1 at the November 3rd school committee meeting. We'll make an official recommendation about the construct of it, 
but just to kind of to give a little hint uh, and an idea of where we are, it was what likely will be proposed is very similar to what it was this year. That Monday and Tuesday, staff, Wednesday, Thursday, um, with students, and then the four-day weekend was appreciated by all. So that seemed to work well. It's not the same every year because Labor Day falls at a sort of different time each and every year, but we wanted to get ahead of it for the benefit of families and planning. Okay, And just important dates, October 21, uh, tomorrow, early release day, pre-K to 12. October 23, uh, that's the JFK homecoming. I've heard a lot about that. They're getting excited. Same thing for the Hanson Fall Festival on this Saturday as well. November 3rd is our school committee meeting. November 5th is Canton Stock. November 8th is no school. That's the election day. Uh, that is a pre-K to 12 PD day. And then November 11th is no school for Veterans Day. Thank you very much. That's my report. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. And I feel like I wanted to do a drum roll before you said that school start date update. <laughs> that is a big deal. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to voting that in early on November 3rd. It's something that I've heard time and time again from parents who really would like to know, um, even if we don't have the whole calendar so that they can do their planning for the year ahead. So thank you to everybody involved in helping make that possible. Um, are there any other comments or questions from the school committee? Okay, awesome. Um, what I wanted to do next is just uh, briefly, I was waiting for a moment to see if Ms. Gallagher would attend, and it appears she will not be able to this evening. So I'll move ahead, and um, I'd like to ask that we hold a moment of silence for Dr. Robert Barker, Jr. Thank you, everybody. Um, Dr. Barker was, uh, he recently passed away, and he was a brilliant scientist who worked um, in the biomedical field, researching and developing treatments for rare and infectious diseases. Uh, he first was at Harvard uh, School of Public Health, and then eventually ending his career as a distinguished scientific fellow at Santa Fe Genzyme. And he served on the Canton School Committee for 10 years, with four as chair, in addition to being on our Canton Finance Committee for many, many years afterward. I um, had a, uh, a note from uh, former school committee chair as well, Ms. Ruki Schutt, who talked about Rob being a very special and rare guy, really smart, really kind, hardworking, loved the kids in our community. It was such a pleasure to have worked with him, and I'm extremely nostalgic and saddened at his passing, as are we, and we send our, um, our love and our thoughts to his, his family. <clears throat> the next slight deviation from the um, agenda is for me to recognize Miss Emma Cummings. I realize that you may have some other business that you need to attend to this evening. And so if you need to attend to that, please, of course, um, do so. But before, before that, I wanted to ask if you had any update for us. It's going all the way down to our subcommittee task force liaison post update. So as a representative of our you know our student um, student member um, school committee do you have any updates for us I know you brought a few I do okay. <laughs> um, so Saturday October 15th was the first annual delegates assembly which was just incredible to see come together we had a 
group of people who really pulled it together nicely and we went over five of our resolutions. I included a copy there for you all to look at and along with going with the resolutions we also elected our executive board which tonight actually we will elect the chair and um, start the director in interviews. Fabulous. Well, thank you and congratulations for all your work on this. For anyone who hasn't been following along, uh, Ms. Cummings is driving the evolution and really the formation in many ways of um, what the Massachusetts Association of Student Representatives will be. So we are really so, so proud of you. Thank you. Is there a link you can share of that? Okay, yeah. that'd be great. I'll send you the links, pictures. And Wonderful, send thank you. All right, kudos, all right. And thank you. Thank you. All right, so next on our scheduled agenda is item F, and that's our teaching and learning report. We have Ms. Rooney and Mr. Muscherelli here to present STEAM Week activities and projects. Welcome them both. Um, I am very pleased tonight to give us a chance to hear from Mr. Masciarelli about the work at GMS this week at STEAM Week. Um, we had a lot of wonderful activities that were happening across all of our schools. Um, if you had a chance to go to the farmer's market this Sunday, hopefully you saw the robotics team there doing their thing with the robots and uh, doing the e-waste uh, recycling day. Um, I want to send, send a special thank you to Sarah Donovan, our pre-K to 5 STEM coordinator. Um, her efforts on the behalf of STEAM Week have been amazing across the years. This year we had a little bit of a different twist, which is nice. We like to change it up a little bit now and then. Sarah's been working um, in consulting with the uh, WPI. She took a course there a few years ago, and her work in the course that she took was so exemplary that they've asked her to stay engaged with them. And so she's been doing some work with them, planning for professional development. She will be presenting in an upcoming state conference is happening. And so due to her connection with them, this year we had access to their whole STEM um, resources, which was really helpful for teachers. Read aloud stories that they could share with students with accompanying activities that could happen in the classroom. So we tried to shift up the focus a little bit to do something a little different at the elementary level this year. We'll have some pictures that we'll be sharing out um, in the blog and in the newspaper, so we'll be getting that to you. Um, but the project at the middle school was very different this year as well. The state offered a new training this summer that a bunch of the middle school teachers went to. Um, and so Mr. Mascherelli is going to talk to us a little bit about how things played out this year at GMS. Good evening, everybody. Um, thank you for having me here. Um, so this summer in August, we uh, about a half dozen science teachers from the Galvin we, uh, went to some trainings to learn about the Mass STEM Week project this year. And this year's project was, like uh, Deb Rooney said, uh, Ms. Rooney <laughs> said, uh, it was very uh, a little different this year, but it was kind of very exciting. Um, idea. It's called the future of work. Is that presenting? Yeah. Is it delayed up there? There it goes. <laughs> it's the uh, air tam. Yeah. Um, so the the idea with the future of work was to for middle school and high school students, and this for for us it was middle school students was to um, expose students to the 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 multitude of STEM careers that exist in the state of Massachusetts alone. Um, as you can see on the bullet point, 40% of the jobs in mass are STEM-related fields. Um, 
the, the students started out the week with a project launch video that the Mass STEM Hub designed and put together, and they had three interviewer interviewees, one from uh, like Toyota Research, one from Philips, and another one from Massport, just talking about the quantity of job postings every month compared to the number of applicants. And really, the, the, the idea of the Future of Work pro project was to create interest, get students thinking. Um, yes, they're only sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, but just to get them thinking about what do I want to do? What, what direction do I, does my path in education towards career training and whatnot? Um, so it was a pretty exciting program. Um, I was at the uh, Mass STEM Leaders Conference um, back in September, and a gentleman from DESE, Bob LePage, was talking about how there are these inequitable access to STEM education opportunities, um, and also um, really the interest in STEM kind of fizzles after fifth grade, just because there's a, a, a maturity that happens in students where they start thinking, I'm not gonna be able to do this. I can't achieve this type of education. So I think this, this project was really great because it allowed students to see, you know, what's out there and what kind of steps they need to take. Um, it was uh, really exciting. For sixth grade, they created these small little um, business cards. And you can see some examples. This chemical engineer, cybersecurity and analyst. The, the young lady on the bottom right is sketching out a robotics. She wants to do robotic engineering. Um, and then there's there was some, um, a lot of physical therapy jobs. So the the amount of options that the students had to were able to look through in their lead up. So they did a career survey through Bunker Hill Community Colleges and it, and it gave them attributes for what matched them. And then it wasn't just like, I, I remember being a kid seeing the Simpsons episode where it's like, you're going to be, you know, one thing. It was this wonderfully rich, 75 to 100% match, and then it dropped down to like 50 to 70% match, and it like had, it gave a, a very thorough uh, breakdown of, you know, what kind of interest compared to what they put in their little, their, their career survey. Um, so students made these, in seventh and eighth grade, they created um, vision boards, and walking around the school throughout, especially yesterday and today. This, these, were, these pictures were taken today, um, so they're very fresh. Uh, walking around the school, there was just an excitement to go in, and students were, you know, putting their heart into these, these vision boards and talking about, you know, making connections to their interests, and it was um, just a really exciting experience. Uh, it was, uh, there was one moment where a couple students asked, do, do I have to do this career that I made this vision board for? And I said, no, you're in seventh grade. We're, we're just exploring our, our ideas and you know, starting to think about the future. There are tremendous opportunities in the state of Mass. So um, that's what we did today, uh, this week. It was a great week. It was, it was a different week. I mean, we had the giant STEM week, which was outstanding. I think that was 2019. Uh, um, this was uh, very unique because it, it changed the perspective a little bit uh, to like, what can you do in this state? And there's just huge potential.
much earlier. I was fortunate enough to get to go to the Galvin today and uh, take in some of the STEM week activities. I was in a classroom where I saw uh, students having identified surgeon, IT professional, biomedical engineering, rare disease specialist. My son made a business card. He wants to be a financial business manager. <laughs> um, his, his, that was a very nice card. <laughs> you know, very thorough. Uh, you know, I think the idea that students are, are getting the opportunity to say, you know, number one, see them, understand careers, see that they have aptitude, understand that there's such a wide variety. You know, STEM, STEAM it includes everything from medical to, you know, math careers, obviously, actuarials. Uh, EMTs and nurses and on and on, but seeing just how relevant STEM is, I think it makes it accessible, it makes it um, approachable for them and, and relevant, and I think that will help as they um, continue on in all these subjects, science, technology, engineering, art, math, realizing, like, you know what, this is something that matters, and I should dig in because it could lead to you know, all sorts of great things in the future. I was struck by the, by the, the fact that the career salary is part of the discussion on all of their vision boards, and it was also um, part of the discussion even from hearing from my sixth grader. It helps them also get a sense of like, wow, it is worth going towards because quite a few of them that are up over 100K, and it seems to make all of it worthwhile for them. They're like, oh, wow, if I could go there, I should. And so anyway, I, I was really impressed by the whole thing, and I, I love the connection to careers, um, even at a young age, because you need to be thinking about it. Not that they're tied. That was the most hilarious story I heard. But of course they think that. Like, this is it. This is who I am. I'm, that's it. But it was, it was great to take in. So thank you for the tour and for this information. Any other questions or comments from the committee? Ms. Abelita? Did every student participate? Did you find that it was? Yeah. Okay. Uh, obviously at different levels. Yeah. Levels. But yeah, I, I walked through. Throughout the week, I was just checking in to see how the the X-Block teachers were doing with it, and it, it was happening everywhere. So it happened it was, during X-Block, so every student yeah. is assigned to an X-Block class. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. did a great job communicating with the entire staff at GMS, so even if you weren't one of the teachers that got trained, you got what you needed to be able to lead the activity in your classroom. So every class during X-Block this week was able to participate. It was, a, it was a full science department effort to create a accessible project that literally, I don't know how many XPLOC teachers are there. Lots. Yes. Dozens. <laughs> so we, we, it was not me alone whatsoever. It, it was the science department, the, the group that we, that got trained and then we came together to say, okay, how are we going to deliver this? Every single student at the Galvin experienced some part of this, for sure. Yeah. there for that 2019 STEAM week and we all remember it. It was a great experience yeah. and to see this is amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Fabulous. Thank you both very much and thank you to Ms. Donovan for her work organizing Oops. as well. Oh, the whole... Is there something else? No, we're just trying to decide if we should shut this off because I don't think there's other presentations. Okay, well, thank you very much. We'll just move right on. All right. We, don't need, we definitely don't need it for the next item on the agenda, which is G1. Thanks again. Uh, and that would be the policy section C, third read. And I understand, well, I know that we introduced it um, two meetings ago. 
last meeting, uh, there was some discussion and, of course, a hold for my presence. Uh, and here we are for a third read. I think the school committee has had adequate opportunity to weigh in and um, provide commentary on any areas that there were questions. And I, for one, who I did take time, for the love of policy, spent some time in there, um, feel really comfortable with um, where the policy has netted out. A lot of my comments had to do... So Section C is really all about um, kind of managing the schools, the role of the superintendent, and so my comments really had to be just thinking about where we are today as a district, um, you know, HR, data, um, financial management, that sort of thing, and just uh, making sure that they, the things that we do in the, the district were reflected, and so I feel comfortable that they either are in this policy and or are moved to other sections where they better reside. So that's my feedback, and thank you all for holding for that. Any other comments or questions? No, no, I, I'm going to have to go with your recommendations. I will be quite honest. I did not have a chance to review this. I offer my apologies, but I will okay. go with your recommendations as far as how to proceed. So, thank right. you. So with that, I will ask if there is a motion to approve the amended or, you know, the new policy section three. All in favor? Aye. It's an aye for me, 4-0. Uh, section C is approved. Thank you very much to the committee, subcommittee on all the work to get that done. Hopefully some of the sections coming up will be a little smaller. That's a big one. Okay. All right, the next item on the agenda is G1, our transportation update. Mr. Fallen, Mr. Marshall, will you give us a sense of where we're at. I do want to make a note that we did ask that first student attend this evening and they were unable to. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to kick this off a little bit and then Mr. Marshall has um, some specific categories uh, to address uh, that we worked on here. You know, we, we had uh, a representative from first student at the last meeting. We had shown a lot of progress um, I will be very candid with the community in the sense that I sent an email to them that I felt after that presentation we took some steps backwards. Uh, and so that's where I am today. I think we're, we've made progress where we have data sheets. Uh, this is available. The first student uh, report from Jessica Clint provided this uh, with their what they've done, uh, the challenges that they're facing. Uh, and some of the next steps, most of the next steps uh, Mr. Marshall is going to cover. But one of the things is we evaluate based on the GPS, um, you know, the accuracy levels of getting to school by their, what the contractual time, which is five minutes prior to the bell. And then if they do not meet that, do they at least get there uh, prior to the start of school? Um, one of the, the emphasizing points, you can see there were a few things here that provided uh, some challenges. Uh, but you know what? We're going to have heavy rain. We're going to have traffic. Um, there are some communication uh, challenges, some communication that didn't happen. Um, so in, in full transparency with the, the community, I think we took a step backwards. Um, and I shared that. But then it's also about, again, continuing to work collaboratively on, on behalf of our families and our students and, and the schools in general. Um, you know, we got to make sure that we take some strategic steps to, to improve the situation. 
know, we've had a, a better week uh, this week, but again, we want to see 100% on both sides of these. Um, that's incredibly important because it impacts a student's start to the day. The principals uh, really uh, take it on as well when we're waiting for a particular bus. Um, and it, it's just not at an acceptable level uh, at, at this point in time. So with regard to that, um, I would encourage folks to, to look through some of the transportation update from first view. We're in constant communication with them. And just also on the, on the transparency end, um, they had some communication gaps. We did too as a district. We didn't get back to some of our folks uh, that had written to us and, and shared some elements. We've really worked hard to try and get back to everyone um, and make sure anything that's come in, we've gotten back to with folks. There's also uh, target points, and the afternoon routes are really our, our target points and making sure we have updated routes as well that reflect them. If families are looking and still working off the times that are posted, and yet there's a sort of a regular time when the bus is coming, we had to get that calibrated and get that right. So uh, with that being said, that's my high-level assessment of where we are. I think we can do better as a district. I think first a student can do better as a bus service. We have to do better for our students and families in our building and our administrators who are really trying to start the day in a, a very productive way. Um, we apologize for any communication that did not go through or there wasn't follow-up. We're working on that to make sure that happens. So with that, I'll, I'll turn it over to Mr. Marshall for some key points and where we're trying to get better. Um, thank you. Yeah, so, you know, we recognize that, um, you know, we've identified two um, buses um, that are major uh, areas of concern for us. Um, that includes, uh, these are specifically in the PM. Um, we do still have some morning um, issues that we need to work out in terms of timing, and we are continuing to work on that to make sure all of our students are getting to school on time and early enough um, where we're not causing any you know, um, undue anxiety for our students um, in terms of getting to class on time. So uh, we realize and recognize that we still have some work to do in the AM, but for the most part, most of our AM routes are running um, and, and most of our students um, on most days are getting to, uh, to school on time. Um, in the afternoon, uh, two buses, uh, entire tiers, so all three tiers of those that, um, that we continue to work on and we need to do some, some major route adjustments um, there. And then um, what I would say is uh, five uh, tiered routes um, that have minor issues that we need to continue to tweak. Um, and so we're working um, daily um, to work on these. Uh, just this week, so you know, we've been relying up to this point on first student to provide us with GPS um, data. Uh, we were provided um, admin access um, to the app. Um, we had our first call regarding the app today. Um, so uh, district administration um, tomorrow will be granted access um, into the admin um, piece. So uh, that will be um, being communicated to principals, um, front office staff, and district level administration. So we can see real live um, data and tracking of our um, buses. Um, uh, beginning on Monday, we will start to pilot um, the parent side of the app. Um, so that um, has been provided to us. We are uh, working on um, a list um, of uh, parents uh, that will be part of that pilot um, to start Monday, so Monday through Friday of next week. Uh, the following Monday we will use um, as a day to make any corrections and updates um, if we need to um, with a full launch um, to all families on November 1st, which is a week from Tuesday um, for the parent app. Uh, so that will 
I think help at least for parents to know when the bus is coming um, instead of relying on unaccurate times that are listed on the posted routes that, that we, you know, we are aware of. Um, uh, our district transportation team, myself, and um, our transportation coordinator will continue to work with our student um, and meet in person uh, a minimum of once a week. Um, and we will do that through the remainder of this year, um, regardless of, uh, you know, what additional improvements are uh, recognized. Um, and those meetings, um, uh, you know, it's a minimum of once a week. Uh, those meetings will range anywhere from four hours, um, you know, to you know, 15 minutes if we're if we get to a point. But we will continue to have check-ins. Um, as of right now, we're we're fully vetting routes and, and having lots of back uh, and forth dialogue as to uh, as to the routes. Um, we did receive updated AM routes that are reflecting more accurate um, pickup times. Uh, those will be posted tomorrow um, and communicated out uh, to families tomorrow. Um, you know, one of our challenges that we've faced in changing routes is anytime we make a change to a route, it's going to have an impact on another route. So if we remove a stop and add a stop to another, so um, that has honestly been um, the delay is that we did a lot of work in, in the beginning. We heard a lot of feedback, um, you know, from some St. John's families. We worked hard to correct those problems. And now the two large, um, you know, the buses that all three tiers are, are having problems, in order to fix those, it's going to impact some of the other routes that are running very well right now. And that's going to have some, uh, you know, some consequences that we're going to need to deal with. And we need to make sure that we're effectively communicating that out to all. Um, so I do expect, uh, you know, changes to be coming next Tuesday um, for uh, those two buses, um, and uh, those changes will um, be communicated uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday of next week with some, you know, changes towards the end of next week to get uh, mainly. Uh, it's affecting all three tiers, um, but we have some Hanson, um, specifically some Hanson buses that are arriving so late to the school um, that students are, are waiting and, um, and, and it's getting late into the afternoon before um, some of those kids are getting home. There's, it, it's not just the Hanson problem. The problem begins at the middle school, carries on to the high school. Sometimes it's a looser JFK run in the middle, um, but it's compounding, and so we need to, to get those corrected. Um, and we we own that, understand that, and um, and understand that the amount of time that it has taken us to get here is unacceptable. Um, but we are continuing to work on that. Um, our priorities in changing routes are number one, safety, um, ensuring students are arriving to school on time. Uh, we're then looking at reducing ride times. Uh, we do understand we have students that are still riding the bus for 55 minutes to an hour. Um, in some instances, it's taking kids over an hour to get home from dismissal time. Um, it's very rare that a student is being on the bus for over an hour, um, but if the bus doesn't arrive to the school for 15 to 20 minutes after dismissal, um, it's taking that much longer for them to get home. Um, so that is the, the, you know, the last piece of, of really fixing these routes is making sure that the buses are arriving to school um, at dismissal time so that we can get the buses, you know, rolling out um, effectively. Um, so also, uh, Mr. Fullen 
uh, you know, spoke to communication. Uh, we recognize that we've missed the mark in terms of communication on multiple fronts, right? Whether it's uh, responding to an individual email, um, notifying uh, families of delays, um, and we're continuing to work on that communication, um, you know, when delays occur. I will say that it's very difficult when, when I receive notification of a delay, um, and first student tells me the bus is five minutes delayed, well, the bus has been delayed 10 minutes every day this year, right? So it's hard for me to send out a message to somebody to say, this bus is gonna be delayed five minutes when it's, it's, it's never been on time, right? So um, it's kind of like what, you know, we're not getting total accurate information um, coming from first student, which has made it difficult for us to then relay that information back. I will say that the app, once the app is rolling, um, it, it is going to be um, dependent upon families to sign up for the app. There'll be communication going home. There's going to be a code that is given that is the district code. Um, you will log in, download the app. You will enter your information um, and assign your route. If you accept to have notifications provided to you within the app, that allows us, um, us and first student, to provide real live um, push out. So, uh, and that's a, a text message, um, you know, service through the app, and so that will really help us to improve communication in real time. Um, and with that, also, I just our expectation as a district is that we are responding to all emails within 24 hours, um, you know, uh, business days. So, um, you know, if, if we get a Friday afternoon email, you know, our expectation is to respond by Monday afternoon. Um, so uh, continue to, to bug me if you're not getting a response. Um, uh, you know, I'm here, we're doing the best that we can um, to get back to everybody. If you have a question, during the morning or afternoon route specific to something. Um, uh, something was left on a bus. Um, a bus didn't stop. Um, you're, you're unsure as to whether you might have missed the bus or not missed the bus. Um, in those instances, we're asking you to call dispatch, um, and uh, that's first student dispatch at 781-961-3824. Um, and if you're not getting any response from them, certainly reach out to, um, to myself or Brett McLeod and we will um, you know, do everything we can to help you. Uh, but they, they have constant communication with their drivers, so if there's something immediate, they would be able um, to give you that information um, as quickly as possible. Just one thank you for that. Uh, one additional communication uh, thread. If there's any behavioral issues on the bus, um, you know, there is a mechanism for the uh, driver to provide a report to us. We get it that way sometimes. Um, but if anything happens on the bus, uh, please call the building administration so that they can follow up appropriately. Um, it could be something small and they can address it. We've had multiple times when we talk to folks and, you know, walk on the bus, reset expectations. There are consequences. If you look at the handbooks, if there's a behavior, significant behavior on a bus, you're going to lose that opportunity to, to ride the bus either for a short time or for the remainder of the year. Uh, they do follow through on those, and we do have cameras, uh, and we have access to cameras. You know, this this has been a, a big time learning experience, a really challenging experience for our family and our community. Um, the one thing I, I would say is that feedback wise, um, we got a note uh, today that they. There's a, a lot of complimentary emails coming around the drivers uh, in the relationships that they have um, you know, with, the, with the students. And I, I like to hear that. That means a lot. You know, the other aspect is um, the cameras, that element, when, whenever we ask them uh, for them. We have a mechanism here in Rodman where we can review them 
uh, and that has worked well. But we need that communication, and I would encourage anyone to, you know, don't let anything fester or anything like that. If something happens on the bus, it needs to be addressed, and the best way we is that uh, family-to-school partnership, uh, letting folks know about that. So thank you. Uh, one more thing that I forgot to mention. When the app rolls on November 1st, um, C1 is not going to be accessible within in the app um, immediately. C1 is our district-owned bus. Um, so we are working with first student. Um, we do have uh, the same GPS uh, tracker um, that first student uses, and we are told that um, it will be available within the app. There is a lot of work that needs to be done with two third-party companies in order um, to give access. Um, and so we are we're working on that. Um, we started that work today in terms of um, identifying you know the um, the product numbers and everything for the GPS so that we can start working on that tracking. But um, unfortunately, that's not going to be available, and that is because that is our um, that is a Canton Public Schools owned um, bus and not part of the first student fleet. Okay. Thank you both. Um, I want to start by saying just uh, thank you also for owning some of the communication issues uh, with response um, over the course of the last month and a half. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, first of all, whatever the school committee can do to provide staffing resources, and I know it's tough in the middle of, you know, in flight, as you're still trying to triage and figure out how to solve the myriad issues that are happening day to day. Like, if there is something that we could do to provide some relief staffing-wise, then that, that's something I definitely want to open up um, and offer up. And in the future, if and when we go out to contract when that's permissible, um, look at additional buses for the district and see if that's affordable. Um, just, again, just trying to look big picture. I think um, the idea that, once again, um, uh, Mr. Marshall or Mr. Folan, you'd be spending, you know, a four-hour meeting um, all this time, and it's clear. I'm getting Aja to just listening to you in terms of the amount of work that you're doing. You're spending this much time on the buses. Um, that that, and I know you, and I know you're not dropping all of the work against the very bold goals that we have set for this district. We did not slow down during COVID. Coming out of COVID, we have big goals to manage as evidenced by the the very deep agendas we constantly have and the very long meetings um, with great care and attention to detail for so many different programs. The idea that you're able to manage the implementation of these goals, I think you mentioned when the superintendent's inducted, uh, there's a thousand managerial items that have to be covered before the start of school. So the managerial items that must go on day to day when you're not solving for a busing crisis and all of the other challenges that pop up in a community where everybody wants individualized attention and conversations to happen. The idea that you'd be doing all of that and still you know, managing this level of detail on behalf of first student is just, first of all, I'm grateful, but I'm furious with this company. I think their level of urgency and professionalism is not where anybody would have expected it to be. I don't think you could have known. I don't think we could have known because they have a positive working relationship with Zavarian, with Blue Hills, with many other um, districts. I'm not sure what's happened. Is it the labor shortage in the country? What's exactly gone on? I know we've talked about onboarding. Um, We've talked about their customer service maybe just be, being lacking in terms of even those folks. It's hard to know. 
but the idea that once again they weren't just invited we were told we wanted them here and they were unable to attend also is just very very um, disappointing to say the least it's shocking actually uh, so Thank you for saying what you have and doing the work that you have, and I want to implore you to continue doing that while balancing the real major needs of the district in terms of educating students. But we, we've got to get this right. So whatever is necessary, you've got to let us know to be able to help um, make those uh, changes possible. I do want to say that I've, I've noticed, and um, of course through communication with others and the emails that come in, the issues are more and more isolated. It is not the majority of the district, but where they are um, occurring, they're acute. You know, they're repetitive, they're hard to solve, I understand, you know, there's systemic challenges that come with making any change. Um, I wonder about the fact that Connolly, um, when we had them as a provider, they only provided the departure time and the arrival time. So there could be a 20 minute window where a student would be out waiting and that maybe, it doesn't change the problem with where we're at, but I wonder if it exacerbates um, what can be some anxiety about a bus not arriving in an exact minute. For students got a different philosophy where they are down to the minute for each stop, which you would think would help with scheduling. But, um, you know, I, I think we're all searching for answers here, and I wish they were at the table more often to help solve them. Um, and all I can say, again, is if there's something that we can do to help relieve the staffing pressure and or to put additional pressure on this company, you know, we're, we're right here for you. And then when the time comes, I, I, like I said, I'd, I'd like to know what the costs would be. Um, if that's been an impediment in any way to just adding additional busing to be able to make sure that we have that cushion, maybe not only just for um, situations where we do have uh, really packed routes, but also maybe to solve some of the other issues we've had with um, the start times for schools in the district. That's a lot. Thanks for listening. Anybody else? I do. Very well said. A lot of what I wanted to say you just covered. I'll just highlight again some of the points. My extreme um, dissatisfaction with the fact that first student is not here right now. Um, as you said, it, I think we use the word requested, no wait, call that required. And um, it is what it is. Um, thank you so much to everybody, Mr. Marshall. Um, Superintendent Follin and everybody who's um, Mrs. McLeod, etc. All the the staff yeah. that's working on that because, as you mentioned, you have all the rest of your work still that you're doing and you're somehow accomplishing this, and yet you're you're also taking the fall for the shortfalls of what's not happening from first student. So, thank you on behalf of our families. I think us being being one. <laughs> Um, thank you for doing that. And that phone number for first student. Can I implore people to use that or would that be misdirected to implore people, please, if you have issues, if we're letting, if it's coming to us, we'll let first student know. They're gonna feel more intensity, I think, if they're hearing directly from the families. Would you, that be Absolutely, and say? I will say on um, in a meeting with them today, um, they asked for that. Like they 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 have um, you know staff that office and they're you know they claim they're willing and and ready to to start fielding all of those calls. Um, so absolutely, um, that's where the calls should be going, um, and they should be directed that way. However, 
Um, given w what we have seen so far, if you are not getting a response, please don't delay. Continue to, to reach out, and, um, and and we'll do our best to, to help push that along. Absolutely, and it's not just hearsay. If the if first student is hearing directly from the families, it's not us telling them that we've had 10 families tell us that something's wrong. It's them hearing it. Do you mind repeating the phone number? Yes, that phone number is 781-961-3824. Any other comments? One more thing. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. I, I just want to leave that on a note that I hope things will change and improve. I know that the last meeting, it was an encouraging, as you mentioned, Superintendent Fallen, it was an encouraging pattern. It seems like it certainly has has gone backwards since then. And I just want to leave on the, the hopeful note on my comments for it that, that we'll see the vast improvement in steadiness. Okay. So I, I just want to make few comments. I'm not, I'm agreeing with everything that you have said, both of you. I I have been very hard on for students since our first meetings and workshops, and I will continue to be. I am completely appalled by the level of, or lack of professionalism and customer support that you are receiving directly and that our families are receiving, and I pushed on that, and I'm not at a point where I'm satisfied with how they have reacted or responded. And I wonder not to make any changes today, but what are the consequences that we could be looking at? Like from, from a contractual perspective, and if we're not ready to talk about that today, I know we're trying to fix what we currently need to fix right now, which is getting the students to where they have to be in a, in a reasonable period of time. But what can we do? Like I, I don't even know if we want to continue working with this company, do we? It's a question. Um, so, we are already reviewing contractual terms and what we can do in terms of um, any, you know, damages or anything now, right? Um, that doesn't help us with better service. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we are have already started to do is um, determine what are our options, right, to um, to get out of this contract and rebid this sooner than later. Um, this was uh, a three-year contract with two option years. Um, so we have the ability to, to terminate um, based on the terms of that contract. Um, and you know, my recommendation at this point is that we go back out to bid um, sooner rather than later. Uh, my recommendation is with a start of next school year. I do not believe that a mid-year um, yeah. change um, is advantageous for the district. Um, knowing you know I, yes we we're having some significant challenges right now um but i don't believe that those i don't believe that um it would benefit the district um to make a mid-year change I, I don't know if another company would um would be able to to come in and, and provide a um a better level of service immediately um so that would be uh the potential um is okay. that um you know we we go back out to bid um with a with a start date um as soon as as next year so my, my position, and it's one, one member, it's that I, I was disappointed with the communication that we got, with the executive leadership or lack of from first student that I really pushed for. And I, the, the VP joining from a car and not able to actually have 100% attention to a very urgent matter just shows that level of commitment is not there. And I'm just really, Disappointed, and I have I have hope that we're going to fix this, but I don't have high hopes that this is the right company for us to work with or to partner with. 
And of course, continuity of service is our number one concern. We need to make sure we, do. we continue to have buses, but I um, agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't mean to distress things as we're working on them now, right? <laughs> we do need buses. Um, Right. But I do think we need to think about what we're going to do moving forward longer term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And regardless, and our families of that, yeah. probably would say this. <laughs> yeah, and regardless of that, it doesn't stop the day-to-day -day, um, work to to continue to make improvements. Um, regardless of the future, right? We you know we'll work on that. But um, at the same time, we need to get our kids to school earlier, on time, and we need to get our kids home earlier and on time. Um, at the end of the day, that's you know. It, it might sound a little simpler than what it is uh, now that I realize and becoming a, a routing expert and a transportation <laughs> expert. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's where we are. Whole new unintentional skill set. Right. Is Moran? Yeah, so I, uh, um, two things I want to tackle. So there's sort of the beyond control in some respects. The first two can't make them be here, whatever. And then, then within the school's purview. So to your point that um, it, however long it goes on, there's clearly... I see with Ms. Miranda, I think there's clearly a staffing issue. So what about bringing in a temp person who is going to, because I, I think that the piece of it that was is within our control is, you know, if parents are stressed and angry to begin with and there's delays and responses or they can't get things, um, emails returned or phone calls returned, well, let's, let's deal with that. Let's bring someone in who is, that's their role, so to speak. Uh, and again, if it potentially could go on for another six or eight months until changes are made, how do we get ahead of that now? We, you know, uh, you know. Again, I respect and appreciate the fact you know you you are accepting the responsibility of the, the, the communication challenges. Okay, so how can we change that dynamic? How can we again uh, in our funding role? How do we do that? So if we could tackle that sooner rather than later, do we need do we need a, another body in the office? The other piece I will say is. In looking at this distribution, so I, I think this is the, what you're saying, well, you folks will have access to now to see where the buses are. Okay. So my question is that who would be monitoring this? And again, I come back to it from a staffing perspective. Um, you know, I can't imagine you already do it. Is Ms. Mrs. McLeod would have to do this? So again, from that perspective, do we, on an interim basis, hire someone who's dedicated to monitoring the buses every day and fielding calls and fielding emails? Uh, the other piece I would question is when they give you these transportation updates, I'm curious, do you get the next level of data down beyond this high level so you can see where the problems are, so to speak? So um, let me just be candid. Okay. I, I, we don't have great faith in the accuracy of the data that we are receiving okay. from first student. Um, so I, I, I will publicly say that. Mm -hmm. So am I getting um, a much more granular level mm -hmm. of detail from them? Yes. Um, do I believe it to be 100% accurate? No. Okay. Um, in some cases, what, you know, uh, and we see this in the app, and this is one of the reasons that we need to pilot, um, you know, the GPS unit is malfunctioning and we don't have data for that bus, right? So um, is it just a coincidence that that's the bus that's running the latest on that given day? I probably not, right? Um, so That's terrifying. Now that I can see this, mm. It, it's I'm able to then I can have those conversations because it's no longer broken like I can see it right so there's 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 multiple pieces there um, and you know I so I, I'm not totally trusting of the data that we have been receiving which is why it's hard for me to provide additional detail um, well the reason I pose the question is to my mind this is another piece that will this person 
could be overseeing. So if we have if we hire an individual who is going to be monitoring communications, uh, monitoring this district view, getting the granular data, and I would think ideally if I could compose this person, he or she would be also be re you know, doing the rooting work that sounds like you're doing or Mr. McLeod is doing. So how do we, um, as I said, get that prioritized? I don't know, I mean, typically in the past we've had, you know, former district administrator to come back and, and work with this stuff. How do we expedite bringing somebody in yeah. Like opening a spot, like yes. a temporary. Also, yeah. I, I have a short list of, of transportation consultants. There are people that do this work okay. um, on a consulting basis, so it would be a contractual work instead okay. of bringing in an employee. I, that would be my recommendation right. if that's um, and then, how we would move forward. And it ideally would be tackling, again, the communication oversight. So all of this? Mm -hmm. okay. Is the consultant transportation too high of a profile to right. do this? I guess is one of the questions. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, depending on... The, it could be a company that would have somebody that would be able to, to come in and do this work. And so then they might have somebody um, that they would be working with that would assist in a higher level of routing um, if they didn't have that expertise, um, but wouldn't necessarily be handling like the day-to-day. -day. Okay, so okay. I, to my mind, I think there's the two pieces. There's the higher level stuff, and then there's the, 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 the very close to the families, getting back to the monitoring, who's calling in, who's, who's responding, as you said, 24-hour you know, business day time frame. So how do we make those things happen? Can you come back with recommendations? And my Yeah, request. but I mean, I don't, at the same time, I mean, like, I don't want to wait two weeks for our next school committee meeting no, to come exactly. back to recommendations. I mean, yeah. I, I can, we can have some cost information as early as tomorrow, provide that to the committee, and, um, you know, if we, yeah. you know, depending on what we need to do, we can we can make that happen. We so, can make that happen, like, in what sense? So we need to come back together and approve it? Like, how can we approve it so that you can go on higher? No, there's, I mean, I, I think this is the level of okay. approval, right? Okay. There's, in my position, I have the ability to access funds to make sure that we get okay. the staff that we need, mm -hmm. um, especially in the realm of consultancy and part-time positions. Okay. You know, there, there's been a few families that probably have uh, spoken to Dr. Green, who's served in multiple in interim roles here. Uh, in the district, um, he stepped in. Uh, he did some work in his, his former district around this, and really did that uh, for a period of time. And has ridden buses. Um, he's currently filling into a, a vacant role that's needed at the high school. Um, but I think I, I think his support is great. It's really problem solving. He'll ride a bus. But I would love to see some level of consultancy um, going that route to explore some of it. Does this maybe professionally and can give sort of a higher, higher level of work there? Um, so I would say, oh, okay. Sorry, Ms. Moran, but I just want to make sure that I think that the higher profile is great, but I think that we also need someone like to actually sit down and answer the email. Mm -hmm. That might be more administrative type profile, might not be running like the bus, mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that that would be helpful to unload some of the work that you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. So can you come back with proposals and? I, I actually I think, think you it, I'll, I'll tell you this much. I think with the, the realm of urgency, if we, I'll just inform the yeah. district around, you know, if we have an opportunity, say to Mr. Marshall's point, I wouldn't want to just wait two yeah. weeks. Because no. um, I, I think I hear it loud and clear around the support yes. to do it. Right. Um, and I'll just use the communication methods to okay. let you know where we are with it, what options we have. And we would work to recoup any fun spent from first student. Yeah. That seems fair. Good. That's even better. Okay, so can you move us in and keep us abreast? And yeah, we will. Okay, awesome. I think that, thank you. If that's, if, is there any other comment or question from the committee? 
is coming. All right, so since we are talking about buses and we have two public comments tonight that also have to do with the busing situation, I'd like to um, exercise my option as chair to move public comment up on the agenda uh, to uh, after G1. And so we'll, we'll do that now. Um, I'd like to invite first uh, Ms. Teresa Wilson to join us uh, down here to talk about the busing. And as she makes her way down, just talk about, um, just for a moment, uh, again, the purpose of public comment, which is an opportunity to allow individuals to express an opinion or share a comment on issues to be discussed during the meeting agenda within the school committee's authority. Um, it's not an opportunity for discussion or dialogue between individuals in the school committee um, and administration. And to respect the time of all participants in the meeting, the totality of individual comments cannot exceed five minutes. Welcome, Ms. Wilson. Hello. Um, my name is Teresa Wilson. I live at 45 Aldridge Road. Um, I have one child in Canton Public Schools and I have one child in St. John's. And we have used busing for nine years. This is my third school committee meeting in the 14 years that I've lived in the town. And all of my appearances here are related to the bus crisis. Um, I, I really don't need to reiterate um, what has been addressed already in the delays. Uh, one clarification though that I will point out, you know, the continuous outrage over it taking so long to get children home in the afternoon. My daughter actually does spend close to an hour on the bus. So it's not that the bus was late to pick her up, it's that the bus takes an hour to tour two different routes. So it completes the loose route before it even heads to our end of town to drop off all the children that it picked up from her school. So that's the problem with that route. But um, that's not actually what I'm here to bring to your attention. Uh, what I want to bring to your attention is actually a bigger safety concern that I have. So um, it's pretty unacceptable when children are not provided seats on the bus. There's been at least one occasion where bus C-16 arrived at St. John's and there was not adequate seating, which resulted in two children standing. That makes absolutely no sense. And it's unacceptable that the adult in charge said bus driver moved the bus. Those two children remained standing until other children got off the bus and made room for them to sit down. When I learned of this, I was horrified. And initially I thought, maybe I'm losing my mind. But then I looked up DESE guidelines. It's actually against the rules for the bus to move with children standing up. I looked up our own district policies. And on page, let's see, on page 87, uh, the Canton Public School Student and Family Guidelines. It says, <clears throat> Section B, students riding the bus, note six, 
bus, dri- bus riders will remain seated at all times. On the Galvin Handbook, Student Handbook, page 26, bus guidelines and conduct. Bus riders are expected to, number seven, take a seat and remain seated until the bus reaches its destination. And then finally, the St. John's Handbook, page six, rules for riding the bus. Number one, students must be seated and remain seated while riding the school bus. So it seems pretty consistent policy across the entire town and state that a bus would not move if children are standing up. Our children are told to be respectful and that their adult on the bus, the bus driver, would know what to do in this situation, which I would think would either be investigate why there is not enough seats, does somebody else need to move over to let them sit down, or if there are truly not enough seats, call dispatch. Or do we expect the children on the bus to have to raise the alarm? It's one thing to say we can't get them to school on time. It's another thing to say we're jeopardizing safety. This is unacceptable. I will acknowledge that when I emailed about my concern, I did receive a reply. And I'm very grateful to receiving a reply. But at the end of the day, this concern needs to be addressed immediately. If the school bus drivers cannot address basic concerns like sit down in a seat, we have a more fundamental problem than bad routes. I have not heard anything about safety being addressed or these types of concerns being raised. Quite to my surprise was the front line, front page of the citizen last week saying how everybody's pleased with the improvements on the bus. That coincided with the same week that this incident happened. So I think there's still a level of delusion as to how this is really working. And I appreciate the fact that it was raised that where there are problems, they are acute, but they might actually be more acute than anybody even realizes. Many, many families have stopped using the buses because they no longer consider them reliable and now are starting to question the safety. Thank you. Ms. Jackie Singleton, also here to speak to us about the bus. Welcome, Ms. Singleton. Thank you. Um, I'm Jackie Singleton from One Pinedale Lane. We have a child currently at the Galvin and one at the Hanson. I did send everybody up here a letter earlier today. I don't expect that any of you have actually seen it because email doesn't work like that. I won't reiterate all the points that I put in the letter. 
I do want to say that I appreciate everything that I've heard tonight. Um, I really do appreciate what Stephen Marshall and everybody else is doing to try to combat what has gone on. I feel like the cost savings that has gone on for this particular contract is a sunk cost at this point, given all the amount of time and energy that everybody's spending on it. So it's nice to hear that we're trying to work on a short-term solution in that, like, yes, we know we need to get everybody to school on time and home on time this year, but what do we do in the future? I, I'm a, I like to think of myself as a problem solver. I would rather focus on how do we get to the bigger problem. Um, I've offered to be part of any kind of committee. If you guys do need help, I'm happy to do that. I do have transportation background. Um, I was part of the U.S. Open that we just held in June. Had to work on a transportation plan for 25 to 30,000 people a day for seven days of that event. I'm, I am more than happy to use any resources that I have to help all of you um, and us for this problem. I'm disappointed about the C1 bus to hear that that's the bus that's going to have a problem because I do have a child on that bus and it is one of the buses that I think is a repetitive problem here. Um, so that's disappointing to hear but otherwise I, I really would like to say thank you to all of you. Um, I really just wanted to make public comment tonight so you had a face with the letter that you got. Um, I am interested to hear how this continues to move forward. And the only other piece from this transportation update that I took um, it acknowledges something about five minutes prior to bell time is considered on time. And I would just say that so far in the last 30 days, what myself and my neighbors have heard is that really 10 minutes is the goal before bell time. Um, especially my middle schooler, middle schoolers, when they get to school, need to be able to go to a locker, get their stuff, get to a classroom. Five minutes before school time is, in my mind, unacceptable. I have had a kid late for a test at this point. I have had a kid late to school. My kids are not generally kids that are late to school. Like The amount of good that you all have accomplished and everything that I heard at the beginning of this, my kids are all part of that. They love the district. They love the STEM events going on this week. They love the Canton Farmer's Market, like everything. And what is being overshadowed by all of that is everything going on with the transportation problems. That is what we're talking about in my house instead of talking about all the awesome things that you guys are doing. And I want to see all of your time spent more on the awesome things because we do have an awesome town and awesome school district. But I do thank all of you. I thank Mr. Broninger. He has been amazing. Uh, the Hanson, it's tough with elementary school kids. I got an eight-year-old on the bus. She's, you know, she, she's only as good as the information she gives me. Um, that's not always so great, but it, it's hard. And so I do appreciate the amount of time that you are putting in, the administration's putting in. I don't want the principal of my school spending time on bus issues. Like, this is insane. So that's all I have to say. I'm happy to help at any point in time. I, I am a collaborative person. I promise I don't, I'm not looking for any kind of fight. I don't hold you personally responsible. I just want to make sure that you all heard from me directly and not just behind the screen. So thank you. So we did receive and read your letter. I just haven't had a chance to respond, but thank well, you. I don't expect a response. <laughs> 24 hours is more than okay by me. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so now we will move on to the next item on our agenda, which is G, Unfinished Business 3, our super intendant evaluation plan which is up for a vote and so the evaluation plan is one that um, I believe you reviewed last time we, you met I was not there I had an injury had to attend to uh, and so uh, this is something that I've worked quite a bit on as part of my task to 
be, bye bye. Thank you to be involved um, in helping to research and then uh, document what is our superintendent evaluation process design, which is essentially um, just working to ensure that the process that we use to evaluate the superintendent in the town of Canton is aligned with the DESE standard as well as MASC, the DESE Department of Education, Elementary and Secondary Education, and MASC, Massachusetts Association of School Committees, uh, best practice. And so that means uh, that we'd have a, we'd, we'd do goal setting, uh, we'd approve those goals in public as we have for the district, uh, and then for the superintendent, as happened uh, last week, the superintendent and the school committee would I, agree on and identify standards and indicators to be evaluated on and district goals and superintendent goals to report on and make progress on throughout the year as included in our agendas and regular meetings. Do a formative assessment uh, mid-year, which is scheduled for January as documented on this plan. And then we continue to hear about performance improvement, progress um, and performance improvements that were happening according to the district action goals and the superintendent goals, moving all the way to the summative assessment, which would happen at the end of the year around May. And so this, just, this document essentially locks in some dates and that process. Our school committee has met and reviewed this in a workshop um, in the month of September. Or was it uh, August? September. 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 It was September. And so um, I think you're all very uh, familiar with it. Uh, last session, I believe, there was a discussion about the SMART goals and the origin of those. And in fact, uh, our definition of the SMART goals is in line not only with uh, DESE and MASC, but also MASS. So that, I believe, is a fine place to mm -hmm. leave it. Are there any other comments or questions about this plan? The only thing I would say is, I mean, you from the beginning have really tackled this process of superintendent evaluation. I mean, you've lived it, you've breathed it, you've really so thoroughly um, understood and processed it and shared it with us. So I'm very comfortable with this document because I know you have researched it, vetted it. I think it puts everyone on the same page, the same set of uh, expectations around timelines and, and goals. So I think this. We, we did it last year, but now that we're kind of going through it the second time and really, I think, better understanding it, I think this is very, very helpful. So, again, I'm very comfortable with the document, and I, I know this has been a, a labor of love. <laughs> so thank you for all your time working on this particular, um, um, you know, guidance. So it serves certainly not only the guidance for this, you know, this committee as it's constituted, but will go forward as, as things change over. Um, this is a standing document for for this committee, so thank you. My pleasure, and I, I'll just say it's not that I have a passion for evaluation, but <laughs> this part of the process is necessary to sort of begin with the end in mind and be very clear so that we have goals that we say, that we, and priorities that we set targets and we stay focused on, and then we stay on track in terms of talking about and, and, and seeing what's happening, what's working, what's not, and then meet midway to talk about that process and then look at the end to see if we are accomplishing, in fact, what we want to. And so it's really about strategic planning and trying to be as clear and as integrated and leave time for the schools to um, um, provide input and our educators as well. So it's, it's, it, this document is just one, one part of the puzzle, which is just trying to adopt some best practice so that um, there are 
time frames and um, organizing principles that everybody can come to rely on. And the other thing too is, as the school committee, we have three main roles: budget, finance, obviously budget, policy, and hiring and evaluating superintendent. So again, if those are our three main charges. One third of it is again this process and overseeing this process and making sure we do it to the best of our abilities. So, thank you. Pleasure. Superintendent Fallen, any comments? No, this entirely has to do with also your cooperation and blessing and interest. Yeah, I think having clear expectations and timelines on, on how it rolls out. Um, I had the opportunity to review this, give feedback, make sure it worked. Um, so I'm confident, that, you know, uh, I love how we started with our district goals and setting that up. We'll be adding some, uh, some check-ins with regard to progress during open meeting as we did last year and um, I think it's pretty clear about how uh, we can monitor um, you know it's, it's odd to say but my progress but really the progress of the, the district um, and reflecting the work that we're doing so um, yep I'm ready I, I, it has my support as well although I don't have a vote on it <laughs> it has my support all right, terrific. Uh, so with that, um, I'd like to ask if there isn't any other comments or questions. Just thank you, as Ms. Moran said. Uh, could we get a vote, uh, a motion to approve this? So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 For me, the superintendent evaluation plan for the 2022-2023 school year is approved. All right, thanks everybody. Moving on to the next item, that is H, New Business, One School Council. So Superintendent Follin and our building principals are here to talk just a bit about where we are with our school councils, what they are, and uh, how they work. Yep, absolutely. So the next two agenda items are really intertwined, and I would invite our principals down, uh, come on up to the, the front row, and um, we'll do this agenda item first, and then We'll move right into the presentations of the school improvement plans. I was going to say, do you have a certain order that you want to stand in? I feel like we have a photo of that. From this view, you look fantastic. And uh, I, I want to publicly thank you uh, for opening up our schools and creating an incredible environment for our students. We don't often have you all here together at one time. Um, sometimes we break up school improvement plans. So it's pretty impressive to see all of you here uh, in front of us. And thank you for the work. The work that you did uh, in presenting these school improvement plans has been the best ever. Um, you're going to see it. It's tailored to your schools. It's, it's grounded in the best interests of students and moving the needle and accelerating your schools. It's a lot of the, the through line that we talked about in district goals and, and not looking at uh, school improvement as just a list of process and tasks, but actually moves that can be made to really accelerate and elevate all of your buildings. You took that to heart. We work closely with Assistant Superintendent Sarah Shannon, uh, Mr. Fogel, Ms. Rooney, Ms. Shore, you know, everyone, Ms. Byrne, any, any crossover uh, with the team. And even, um, I appreciate this, with one another. 
uh, you had the charge of developing your own individual uh, building plans based on your own data review, the feedback from surveys, your own, uh, your own thoughts, um, and you really came together and put together the school improvement plans really nicely this year. Your partner in this work are the school councils. And the school councils are, this is just an opportunity, we put it on as an agenda item. We always name our school council members in presenting the school improvement plans, uh, but this is just an opportunity for you to name who is on your school council, how many maybe openings that you had. Um, and it's also an opportunity for us to articulate, I just wanna read the work of the school council uh, by our policy and by law um, and how it interacts with the teams here. And just really promote um, that stakeholder partnership because uh, you know when it was put into place in the, the 1993 uh, Reform Act, uh, there was an acknowledgement that their schools are a partnership in a community and school councils represent that. School councils represent um, you as the leaders of the building and the principals. There are representatives of parents and guardians and there's also educational staff and there's parity. Um, in reading the language around it, it, there's equal voices at the table around that and then for, for the high school level there are students and there's opportunities for a community member to join as well. It is meant to to really have a very tangible uh, level of partnership and per our policy these are the this is the work of school councils one adoption of educational goals for the school that are consistent with state and local policies and standards uh, and that's reflected tonight identification of educational needs of the students attending the school that's part and embedded within uh, your school improvement plans review of the school building budget and then formulation of, of the school improvement plan the SIP that may be implemented only after the review and approval by the superintendent. So tonight's about highlighting uh, the work of these teams, uh, the folks that are on there, uh, and then just sharing um, how folks came forward and, and how you developed your team. So just as, this is just really quick. We don't want to take away from the SIP presentation, but it's nice to highlight. So who's up first? Thank you. Mr. Sproul. Right. Well, yes. Um, so I had a whole new team this year, uh, the, the team that was in place last year. Oh, did you go to the mic? So I had a whole new team, had to restock the whole, the whole group this year. Um, in my first year last year, I'd asked the committee if they would stay on for that year just to work with me, kind of teach me uh, where they had been and, and work with that same group. So they sort of, they all agreed, which was great. And I was really, really fortunate to have them. Um, but that did mean that it was a full changeover this year. So everyone that's installed now will be in for their full two year term. Um, and then we'll kind of go back through the process. So we have three staff members. Um, we have uh, Sharon Boldock, who is one of our teachers. She actually runs our home base program. Uh, she'd been a special educator with us for years and then transitioned to that position. Uh, really, really good perspective on, on all things um, Canton High School. Adam Maislin is one of our math teachers and Ann Malmquist is an English teacher. Uh, for the parent representatives, we have Kelly Gershany, uh, Meg Kennedy, and Sarah Marshall, who were fantastic at the first meeting and in really good perspectives. Uh, Meg works over at Stoughton High School. She's got an excellent perspective on, on sort of the differences between the, the two schools. Um, and then we have three student members as well. We have Enoch Tay, uh, we have Dana Casito, who some of you might remember from last year, um, and we have Disha Nayak, who also stepped up to join the group as well. So um, they were the three students that came forward. They were the three staff members that came forward, and they were the three uh, community members that came forward that had not served on the council previously. 
Um, so it was a nice way to settle. There was no debate. There was no need to kind of go out and, and shake the trees. We had a, a really nice even number um, just based on interest alone. I'll, I'll go next. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Um, I was very fortunate that the staff who were part of the school council a year ago were all willing to stay on, which I thought was uh, extremely helpful to me, so I was very grateful. Uh, so they're in their second year uh, of the term. Um, so we have Katie Doherty, who's a seventh grade guidance counselor, who's been at the Galvin for quite some time. She's uh, terrific. David Place, one of our special education teachers, still relatively new to the district. Like myself, he came from Boston, uh, but he, he brings a lot of valuable perspective as well. Uh, Kim Seaver, who's one of our uh, English language arts teachers in the sixth grade. Uh, Deb Shaw, who's a uh, science teacher, again, has been at the Galvin for a long, long time. Um, and most importantly, Jim Spillane, who is the assistant principal who has been at the Galvin for 24 years uh, and who has been uh, really a valuable resource for me. He knows the building inside and out. He knows the people. He knows the traditions. Uh, I ask him roughly 400 questions a day. And I'm really grateful that he um, is, is serving alongside me on the school council and, and guiding me through. So uh, it's, it's really great to have a veteran uh, staff presence uh, on the school council. Parents, uh, I have a larger parent contingency that I'm accustomed to. Uh, I did put out an open invitation for statements of interest. Um, I ended up getting six, and it felt like maybe that's a little bit high, but I did not feel that I was in a position to turn anybody away, again, not knowing much about the school coming into this year. Um, I, I really didn't feel comfortable having a vote to, like, knock two people off of that. So... Um, we have Mr. Alan A. Bend, uh, Lindsay Barber, Stephanie Kierenton Jolly, Kelly Hung, uh, Katie Shanks, and Michelle Wheeler, all of whom I'm getting uh, to know as we go along. They were extremely helpful. I presented a draft of the school improvement plan at our first meeting on October 3rd, got some very valuable feedback from that parent group, um, and so I'm grateful to them. So as I said, it's a somewhat larger committee than I'm used to, but I think in this first year for myself, I need all the expertise I can get um, in, in talking about what's best for the school. We also uh, selected three student representatives, one from each grade recently. Uh, from the seventh grade, we have Ariana Jolly, uh, sixth grade, Jacob Salet, and an eighth grader, Nora Sullivan. Um, they were, we solicited applications from interested students. Um, the seventh and eighth grade representative actually are part of our student leadership program. Uh, the sixth grader submitted a very short but uh, earnest essay uh, in, in support of his own candidacy. Uh, and basically our, our process was we vetted it through the main office staff. Um, I got recommendations from guidance counselors, teachers, and we settled on, on these three. Uh, we had a total of nine applicants. Uh, these three stood out a little bit. Uh, but I did invite all nine applicants to join us at any meetings they would like to be at because we do want the student voice as well. So that is our school council. 
Good evening, everyone. Um, at JFK, I had five openings this year, um, and I actually sent out a Google Doc to families asking for interest. Um, and I actually had three parent guardians who did show interest, um, so they automatically made the council. Um, I currently have three faculty members and four family members on the council this year. Um, Kate Gal, who, who is the team chair, Teresa Grogan is a grade four teacher, and Lauren Torgi is a special education teacher um, will remain on the council and were on last year. Um, Kelly Hung is a is a parent who was on the committee last year um, and she helped me sort of get everything started. Um, and my new members are Amy D. Baptista, Cecile Ekno, and Christine Eng. And they are um, the new parent members. And I am happy to say that our first meeting is on Monday the 24th. Good afternoon, everyone. At the Loose, we um, needed two additional um, family members. Um, and then we had a huge response from staff, which bumped the need to three. Um, so we have parity on our council, which is really nice for the first time, and the largest council that I've ever actually led in my tenure here at the Loose and in Canton. So on the um, school council for this year, we have Drew Reynolds, a returning parent, Johnny Trung, also returning, new to the Loose School Council for Parents, Elisa Drone, um, Kevin Vaca, and Frankie Joyce. Um, returning staff, Rebecca Reinhold, who is our content specialist for ELA. Um, we have Leanne Palin, Nancy Durang, and Sue McCabe, all amazing educators. Thank you. Uh, so at the preschool, uh, we also have a school council. Uh, we have several members on it. We have three staff members, including myself, um, on the school council. One of them is new. That would be our BCBA, uh, Ms. Rebecca Golden. We also have Ms. Carrie Emdy, one of our special educators, and Ms. Ashley Lucivita. Uh, they have been on the school council with me now for a year. Uh, we just got, finally, a parent rep for our school council this week. Um, so Ms. Pauline Kim is going to be joining us. We still have openings for another, um, and we would love a community member as well. So we're, we're getting there. <laughs> All right. Uh, good evening, everybody. Um, thanks for the opportunity. And um, yeah, similar to I think how Principal Sperling uh, mentioned, I was sort of in that spot last year where we turned over an entire group of folks. Um, and so it made this year a lot smoother because we had folks that were all jumping into their second year together. So um, really pleased to have the group we had last year. Um, and that's made up of uh, Miss Amanda Dart, who is our uh, reading specialist at the Hanson School, uh, Miss Julie Gellerman, who's a grade three special educator, um, Miss Christine Giglio, who is a kindergarten teacher at our school. Um, we also have two uh, really wonderful parent representatives that are part of our group. Um, that's Miss Hamanji Apti and Mr. Clairvaux uh, Toussaint. Um, and I also do want to mention we uh, also are currently uh, looking for a community member. Um, and we were very fortunate that we actually had a community member for, I think, the last three, maybe even four years with us, uh, who was a former Hanson parent, um, you know, going back a few years. Um, so I just want to publicly thank uh, Ms. Kristen Newton, uh, who served with us, um, decided it was time for her to maybe do some other things on Monday afternoons uh, when we meet. But um, she was a great resource for us as well. So we will put it out there that we're also looking for a community member uh, at this time. But it's a really great group. We had our first meeting at the beginning of October. Um, and we're looking forward to uh, continuing the work this year. Thank you. 
that detailed overview. It's important. I think the role of the, the school council is really critical, and it's interesting just how similar it is to the school committee in terms of what the purview is, and uh, it's exciting to see now um, as we move into the next item on our agenda, H2, the school improvement plans, which sort of dovetail with the district action goals and um, talk a lot about uh, the way forward. So I'm not sure how you'd like to well, proceed. One thing you would know about principals, they're already prepared. I know there's an order, or at least I heard about the order. <laughs> you might be standing, they're already yeah. standing in the order. Okay. So with the, you've already heard the introduction. I think the, the main uh, emphasis again is there is a through line from the district goals and how these were constructed, where they just weren't ideas, there was feedback, data, analysis, and input from the community. And without further ado, I think Ms. Kilday is going out first. Wonderful. All right, so I am pleased to be here tonight uh, to share the school improvement plan for the 22-23 year for the Rodman Early Childhood Program. I think you will see um, a lot of very direct connections uh, with the district goals. So our first area, uh, under achieving educational excellence and equity for every student, our program goal this year is to create environments and structures to support educational equity in the Rodman Early Childhood Program. Um, so this has been an ongoing area of focus for us and we will continue uh, with this work. Our action steps include uh, looking at our data, our special ed data for disproportionality um, and really digging into that and um, doing some research, doing some work ourselves, some reflection um, on that piece. We will continue with our diversity, equity, and inclusion team, which is a great group of staff we have. We really want parents um, to join that team. We need parents to join that team. We would like to expand um, the workings of this committee. Uh, and so we really would love some input from our families. We also will be engaging in staff training um, on unconscious and implicit bias. So I think when we're looking to create a welcoming environment for all students, um, that's certainly something important for us to focus on. Our second priority area under cultivating climate, culture, and community engagement is to develop capacity and systems in the Rodman Early Childhood Program to better support students exhibiting challenging behaviors. I think um, when uh, you are three to five years old and you're asserting yourself and learning to be independent, it's pretty probable you're going to see some challenging behaviors. I think learning the parameters of that um, is tricky sometimes. I think there have been other factors that um, have caused us to see even more challenging behaviors, and we're looking to uh, build our toolbox in that area so that we're able to support all of our students. So we have spent a good amount of time as a staff learning about trauma, trauma in young children, uh, what that looks like, the research behind it, the statistics, and we are ready to take that next step um, in building trauma-sensitive classrooms. So we'll be doing a lot of work on that this year. That is very important to us. We want to articulate clearly our in-house protocols and practices for supporting uh, students with challenging behaviors. I think at the preschool level, we do a really great job at this. It's very collaborative, team-based, um, with a lot of communication, but we haven't actually articulated it out. So we need to do that. We need to, to name that. 
Uh, we'd like to identify support systems in the community for our families and also support systems for our staff um, as they're working with these students. So our next priority area, our first one under achieving educational excellence through effective teaching, learning, and leading um, is, I am on number three here, hold on. There we go. Creating environments and structures to support education. Oh, we did that. So our next one is to identify and review data points for evaluating student growth and performance in the preschool. Um, at the preschool, we do have a, a student response team. Uh, at our school, it's called the Child Study Team. And we try, we have teachers bring students that they have some concerns about their progress and performance and we look at the child as a whole child so it's quite a diverse team with a lot of different specialty areas it's a great example of some good collaboration that helps students progress uh, we'd like to continue to evaluate the effectiveness of that so what are the outcomes from that uh, what is successful what is not and where where does our growth need to be we need to also identify some additional data points for tracking student growth. Um, and finally, we want to engage in an analysis um, of preschool data. So we do uh, assessments three times a year. That's our progress monitoring cycle. And we'll be diving very deeply into that data um, and assessing what, um, what it's telling us, what patterns and trends we see. Our final goal, again, under achieving educational excellence through effective teaching, learning, and leading, is to develop a shared understanding of high-quality instruction, interventions, and programming at the Rodman Early Childhood Program. So obviously the district um, is looking at developing a shared vision of what uh, teaching, learning, and leading looks like. Uh, we will certainly be working on that as well, but ours is a little more focused to the preschool. Uh, we need to evaluate our student needs, which have grown and changed in the last several years, um, and so that we can adjust our programming um, and our supports to best meet their needs. Uh, we also are going to spend a good amount of time with our student services department, uh, learning a little bit more about IEP writing uh, and tweaking our skills in that area. We are working on creating structures and systems in order to efficiently meet special ed timelines and requirements. As you know, I am now the team chair for the preschool as well. Um, so this is an important goal for us. And lastly, uh, our staff is, is participating in quite a bit of training uh, and consult with our speech and language pathologist around communication devices. We have right now 11 students, I believe, at the Rodman who use devices to communicate. The need and ability to communicate is essential, and we want our staff to be ready, prepared, and very able uh, to support all of our students in meeting that goal. So those are our priority areas for this year, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you for that uh, presentation. I'll just say um, I'm really quite impressed with this plan and I think the, the theory of actions that you articulated are very compelling and the key actions along with the uh, associated anticipated indicators of progress are logical. They make a lot of sense to me and uh, I'll just say I'm looking forward to seeing how this works and 
thank you for putting this together. It's really impressive. Thank you. Other comments or questions from the committee? I just a couple of quick questions only around just so I understand. So disproportionality, what does that mean? So disproportionality, what we want to see um, is proportionate numbers. So um, a good example, I think, is typically you want to see an even number of girls and boys on IEPs, right? So at the preschool, we have a very high number of boys on IEPs. It far exceeds the number of girls. So for us, that's something we need to look at. Um, there are a number of reasons why that occurs. Uh, there is research to show that boys are over-identified as having a disability at a much higher rate than girls are. Um, our referral list, uh, which is what generates our um, IEPs, is very heavy with boys. I would say 75% uh, of students on our referral list from the community um, and from early intervention are boys as well. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can walk away and, and wipe our hands and say, well, we didn't cause this problem. Um, so we do still want to look at that and, um, like I said, check our bias and make sure we are um, doing a, a good job uh, in making decisions as far as special education is concerned. Yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, that they come to you with the IEP. So, um, so, so sort of once they're within your program, you're looking to look at the IEPs and who's on them. And so they come to us with referrals. So yeah. often they come from early intervention. Right. Um, with uh, IFSPs, which are individual family plans, and then we do our evaluation to determine if they're eligible for an IEP. But yes, I think it's something that um, is well worth our time um, to look at and take a deeper dive in and educate ourselves about. Okay. And we can thank Mr. Fogel um, for helping us with that because we already started this process. Um, Trauma-sensitive classrooms, what does that mean? How does that look? Just again, coming as a layperson, yeah. how would you... We're yeah. going to work a lot on that. Um, we know there are some triggers um, for students who have suffered trauma, specifically students who have um, experienced um, domestic violence. Mm -hmm. um, we know that trauma changes your brain um, and how you learn. We know from research that there are certain tasks that you may struggle with. Um, if you are a child who has experienced trauma. Um, we know that there are specific techniques that we should use and shouldn't use with students who have had an experience of trauma. Um, so all of those things are things that we're going to be taking uh, a deeper look at uh, and ensuring that all of our classrooms um, are sensitive to students because I think the tricky thing about trauma is um, we don't often know I mean, we can suspect at times, but we don't know. So our goal is to create classrooms where we don't need to know. Every child can be successful. And then the last one is um, AAC devices. Uh, I think you said there are 11 students who use devices. Are you talking like iPads? Yep. What would be an example? Yeah, so the, the bulk of them do use iPads uh, with specific programming in them. Most of them use touch chat. Um, we do have some students, though, that are not yet ready for iPads, so that may use an actual book with pictures um, to communicate. So a wide range of uh, abilities to communicate. And like I said, the, uh, the need and desire uh, to communicate is strong. Um, and when we think about preschoolers wanting to interact with their peers, that's, that's pretty important, right? That's a pretty significant piece of it. So. Um, 
I have to say, our staff's doing a great job. We're all learning a lot. Our families are learning a lot. We have consult often. Um, and, and a sh shout out to our, our speech and language pathologist, um, Patty Parks, because she is very patient with all of us <laughs> um, and just does a really great job of teaching us and supporting families. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, thank you very much. Who's next? Yes, Hi, Thank good evening, more. everyone. Um, so we started off by thanking our uh, school council. I also want to give a shout out to the loose staff. Um, they also um, engaged in the process of the SIP development and also iterations of the SIP. Um, also, part of that, um, of the process of the SIP development included um, other building administrators, so for example, the team chair and the academic leadership team, and also Josh Vogel was a huge um, piece in the data. Um, so I wanna give a shout out to him as well as other district administrators. Some of the data sources that we used um, to really develop our SIP were the fall 2022 STAR data, as well as spring 2022 parent and staff surveys, as well as the spring MCAS from spring 22. Some nuances of our SIP this year, I want to say the word that if that I, that comes to mind is it's intentional, right? It's super intentional and aligned to data. Um, so we have data-driven key action steps, three total priorities, and five total data-driven goals. There are some variability amongst the schools, but there there is continues to be a through line throughout the schools um, because we are all aligned to the district goals. Um, you'll see some continuity from previous year um, SIP. Um, key actions and goals. For example, we are continuing with the SEL mini-series, which is the social and emotional learning mini-series, and we're hoping to make that a district-wide piece. So you will see that through line across all schools um, because it's good for all of our kids to have a proactive approach to learning about um, expected behaviors. Um, so as you see, we have a very laser-like focus amongst our three priorities. Our first priority area really focus on, focuses on creating a culturally responsive community. Um, so really looking at the work of the DEI and being more intentional about celebrating cultures, at least one a month. One, one a month. I can't talk right now. Um, it's late. Um, so anyhow, um, that is really our intentional focus to really be public and transparent about how we are celebrating cultures and creating an intentional sense of belonging for all students. Um, we do have a, a culture calendar that we intend to roll out as well as I mentioned in the spring of last year as well. So as we move on to priority two, I would say the intentional LASIK focus for that particular priority is social and emotional well-being. As I mentioned, the SEL mini-series will continue. We're actually going to have two this year, one in the fall and then one in the spring. And the one in the spring is going to be catered to more of like a project-based learning approach. So like we're educating students in the fall and we want them to apply it and transfer their learning um, in the spring. So just a new iteration of that particular piece. Um, I would also say we want to be intentional about how we support our staff. Last year, we found it extremely hard on, um, on how we um, engage with um, responding to students, but also supporting staff. So we want to be intentional about those two buckets, both being intentional about how we support the students and the staff. So we are going to have um, regular data meetings around um, what we are seeing about around behavior incidents and how we are intentionally supporting staff having ongoing dialogue to support teams through the SST process, which is the student support team process, and also um, being super intentional about inviting parents into the conversation 
education. So as we introduce the restorative justice um, you know, element to our district, we want to engage parents to understand that piece alongside us because we're learning and we want the parents to be on the same page of music as we continue this journey. Um, so we're going to do that for staff and as well as um, for families in a very intentional format. The last priority for us, um, which is really exciting, is the use of data, um, student achievement, and teaching and learning, and an equitable approach to supporting staff and students at the loose. Um, so let me first start um, focus first on the student achievement aspect. Um, so when we did a data dive um, with our school council, our staff, and with you know, other stakeholders in our, in our community, we realized that our subgroups um, were underperforming and that um, certain students that had um, high achievement um, had lower growth. So that makes us respond differently. We need to address the needs of all of our learners with extensions for students who required them, but also for students who have not made any growth for years. It keeps me up at night, and this is something we have to address super intentionally, and so we put it, it as a key action with a data component attached to it, so hopefully when we meet in the spring, we will see movement with those students as um, indicated by STAR um, assessments. So that is something that we're going to have a hyper focus and obsess about um, really intentionally. Um, and we already have some things in place for that. So I'm super proud about that piece. Um, I also would say that um, the use of data, um, I can't tell you how many staff have, um, Josh was at our school and so many staff actually stopped by and inquired with him, let me t let, can I learn more about my data? Like honestly, intentionally wanting to see their dad and have more um, intentional conversations around that particular piece. And it helped them to shape their uh, student support goals um, or student learning goals and professional practice goals. So that's really an iteration of change. That's a nice one, um, that people are embracing the data. They're not running away from it. Um, so that's really nice. Um, and then the last aspect around an equitable approach to supporting staff and students, we realized that um, we have content specialists and we have um, staff that need support. We have a new math curriculum. We have a fairly new ELA curriculum um, and we have uh, students that need supports, right? Whether extensions or additional supports in the classroom. Um, so we've really created this structure called the cycles of support, which is intentional support to support every single student and staff by way of pushing and like a cycle, like a five week cycle so that there are touch points with every classroom um, there are, I think, a, a total of 10 touch points throughout the year um, that each grade will have with the learning and math specialists, and they're going to be intentionally pushing into um, classrooms across the grade um, and supporting students um, in a more intentional, data-driven manner. And also modeling for teachers the practices to build capacity, so we're really looking at how do we all grow together and learn together to be more intentional in how we um, look at data and implement small group um, strategy instruction to um, really benefit the entire um, learning community. Um, so there's some adult learning pieces embedded in the student learning growth aspect. Um, and I would say the last piece is we're going to progress monitor all of this um, because that's our job and also part of the job of the school council. We're going to use star assessments to measure progress towards our SMART goals throughout the year. We'll have intentional checkpoints to really um, see how we're doing. Um, and if we need to course correct, do that to be intentional, to make adjustments as to our practice as we um, see fit. Um, we're going to use the community and staff surveys that are going out soon, um, qualitative student and staff um, surveys before and after the SEL mini-series, again, that social and emotional learning mini-series. Um, and then the other critical piece is me as an educator, um, one, and then an instructional leader, two, going in for feedback and observation of teacher practice, right? We want to be intentional about growing practice, so we know that touch points matter, so we're going to do that particular piece um, in an equitable manner. 
um, having data meetings, as I mentioned, and other various artifacts um, that are produced in concert with our faculty and staff. With that, I'll digress and open it for questions of the school committee. Thank you, and I'll just start with a comment that is uh, pure wow. <laughs> wow. Um, I, um, the, your ability to uh, implement just so many of the different topics that we've been talking about that, uh, you know, matter or may have um, a, a big effect on, on our stakeholders, whoever they may be, uh, it's really uh, impressive. Um, the idea of uh, being a so, so responsive to student and staff and family needs around the kind of the behaviors and tracking and uh, deeper training around SEL, continuing that mini series, which was excellent, and uh, either reintroducing or more deeply introducing restorative justice to staff, uh, the cycles of support, the focus on the, the core. Um, area um, that's been identified with math and then going further um, to tackle that really tricky high achievement low growth population which mm -hmm. probably could unlock huge sure. um, uh, performance improvement for the district uh, it's all really um, wonderful and I guess I you know and, and then on top of it the incorporation of the pre-post surveys, the idea of linking this to the data. I could see how it's clearly aligned with the district action goals. It's wonderful. And I guess the only thing I'll say is, um, you know, kudos. And I hope that um, everybody does recognize that um, some of what's written here are goals you probably could have for five or ten years mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's a lot it is. Um, yep. and they're so relevant that they may not change year to year and that's okay mm -hmm. um, and sometimes the work that you do and um, actions that you plan need to be tweaked over time and that's sure. okay too um, sure. so I just want to say thank you um, Ms. Lamore for this I actually don't have a ton of extra questions I'm sure there are topics here the school committee would love to learn more about and we could as a point of order um, name them as agenda items in the future to go Absolutely. deeper on, but um, generally this is well put together and uh, it's inspirational. So thank, thank you. you. Uh, the comments or questions from the school committee? I just had a, just a couple of comments. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted to see the focus in, in taking a quick look at the other elementaries as well. Uh, the focus on educating both parents and staff on the restorative justice. I think that's, that's really critical. And I'm curious, when you say district-wide, um, parent meeting is that something potentially the elementaries are going to collaborate on or yeah I think we um, we meet weekly and I think we are looking for more coherence mm -hmm. in our messaging mm -hmm. and our you know the way we engage families so we're looking at doing something um, in spirit of collaboration amongst right. the three elementary schools great yeah I possible. think that's yeah I think that'll be so helpful to our parents as well to our staff and the other thing with just a couple of quick things um, and the cycles of support, yes. you were talking about t 10 touch points through the year. Yes. What does that mean? So, Good question, yeah. <laughs> so the amount of times that the grade team will actually um, work with the content specialist, so okay. they're engaged in five-week cycles. And so they have um, two of those cycles over the course of the year. So it equates to 10 touch points, okay. right, within the, um, within the school year. Okay. And then in terms of um, ELA support in... Support so math and, and ELA. Are we talking like the wind the wind block? Is that what's 
Yeah, it, it, it's actually tier one, which okay. is like the instructional core mm -hmm. where um, many lessons are being um, taught. Um, it could also look like tier two, which mm -hmm. is the win group. Mm -hmm. um, and it could also look like tier three, which is more like one-to-one, -one, like more mm -hmm. intentional, mm -hmm. some mm -hmm. like the highest level support. So if someone needs like a brand new teacher, for example, sure. may need a higher touch point mm -hmm. um, and more frequency. So it's we wanted to differentiate it mm -hmm. for the different levels of need um, amongst our teaching staff and you know expertise. Sure. Yeah. And in terms, in terms of the extension pieces, for the kids who, who do need that more challenging work, how does that all kind of fit into it as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we are looking at, um, really looking at the data and saying like, okay, we had those, you know, high achievement, low growth kiddos, mm -hmm. you know, what are some extension activities? We're working alongside Pace with Robert Grubman to identify that work around math, mm -hmm. like him pushing in to provide, like not extra work, but more rigorous work. Does that make, make sense? Um, because that's what's needed. Um, we're looking at like the continuum of bloom taxonomy. So we know that, you know, if they're getting like a certain level of rigor, they may need a higher level of rigor alongside the standard to improve their outcomes and growth. So that's what we're hoping to do um, within with supportive pace, but also just working with the teachers to create those opportunities that are nuanced and look different. Right? Mm -hmm. Great. And then finally, to deprivatize instructional practice across the school. What oh, yeah. does that mean? Oh yeah. Um, so that is a that is a concept that as a whole district we are engaging. I think you'll see that in Superintendent Holmes, mm -hmm. um, you know, school or district improvement plan mm -hmm. um, by way of the learning walks, like really okay. opening classrooms mm -hmm. to really engage and like learning from alongside each other as peers. Okay. Great. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Other questions, comments? All right. Thank you very, very much. We'll Thank you. It. And I just want to make a, a shameless plug. We also would be interested in a community member. Anyone would like to join us? Um, I heard we're serving coffee and cookies. So if anyone wants to join the Lusco <laughs> Council, please join us. We are oh, very, very happy people. <laughs> Thank you. I wouldn't have said it was shameless. We offered food for it. Thank you. All right. Mr. Broniger, are you next? I think so. All right. Welcome. Thank you. All right. Um, so yeah, once again, uh, hello, and thanks for the opportunity to be here. Um, and you know, it's always exciting to come and talk about the the goals of our school and how we, you know, we're we're really excited to, you know, we we've begun engaging and and how we're going to continue to engage throughout the year. Um, and again, thank you again to all the school council folks, um, as Principal Lamore mentioned as well, um, staff as well who provided input, feedback, and um, you know, it, it's really a collaborative process to sort of get to a point to present this to to all of you tonight. So, um, just happy to be the one up here doing it, and thanks to everyone who played a part. So. Um, as others have mentioned uh, throughout the evening, it, it's definitely important that we create goals that are uh, you, you know, unique and relevant to the Hanson School, um, but also we wanted to be consistent with the district goals that Mr. Folan has previously shared. Um, and so with that in mind, our first school priority is under the umbrella of achieving educational excellence and ensuring equity. Um, and our Hanson School specific goal um, is that by June 2023, so the end of this current school year, um, the Hanson School will have identified um, systemic and individual practices that are inequitable and that we will have goals and key actions in place to begin to address these for 2023, 2024, and beyond. Um, and Ms. Miranda, I appreciate your comment earlier too. Um, I think it's an, an ambitious goal. I think, you know, when you look at anything around equity and where inequities lie, there's, there's um, a lot of conversation, there's a lot of reflection, um, and that's why I think it's important that we really begin to identify the key components and sort of roll out a multi-year um, plan to address those those pieces. Um, so to achieve that goal with a little bit more specificity, 
Um, we are in the process of recruiting staff and parent guardian uh, volunteers for this year's building-based equity team. Um, thus far, we've had three staff members that have come forward and, and offered their, their services to volunteer for this group. Um, we also have two parent uh, community members uh, that have also expressed interest. And again, to, to steal Principal Lamore's phrase, shameless plug, we would love to have uh, as many folks that want to participate in this group. I think it's a really important opportunity for families and, and staff to come together and talk about um, things that maybe aren't always talked about uh, together or publicly or maybe in the past have been um, maybe uncomfortable conversations. I don't, I don't like that word uncomfortable there, but I think um, it's a really great group. We ran it last year for the first time, and, and i got to say they were hour-long meetings, and we could have talked for three, four hours, and it was a really collaborative experience. And so, again, whoever's listening out there in the community, if you're a Hanson uh, parent, guardian, community member, and you're interested in joining your group, we welcome that. Um, looking forward to really getting started, and uh, we hope to begin that uh, beginning of November for our first meeting and hope to hold that monthly. Um, you know, and just to other pieces as we consider, uh, you know, issues of equity, again, not new information for the committee or, or hopefully for the community, but the district is currently engaged in an equity audit. Um, and I think certainly the, the outcomes from this will play a key and important role in determining next steps at the building level as well. Um, so we look forward to sort of receiving the information through the district, sharing it out at a district level, and then working with Superintendent Folan and others to um, how to best uh, bring that into the building level and roll that out with our Hanson School community. Um, and then finally, as a staff, uh, we continue our learning around restorative practices um, and how to best implement these within our school. Um, this is going to be an ongoing focus for us throughout the school year. Um, and, you know, really being intentional with, with faculty and, and ourselves um, and trying to engage them in, in these conversations. We'd like to have an implementation survey uh, that we uh, share out with staff later in the school year, too. Um, you know, we were very, very uh, upfront with folks that, you know, myself and others at the building level, we're not in a position to be training folks right now. We're doing a lot of our own learning here as well. Um, but we have started to discuss things like how to, how to have restorative circles. Um, and I think through the lens of building community, I think oftentimes we think of it as something that you do after something has happened, but um, we're trying to flip that a little bit. And so how do we engage students in those opportunities for community building, connection points, whether it's at the start of the school day, coming in from recess, um, you know, sort of allowing staff to feel like you have that opportunity where you can pull a couple things out that might sort of like put the academics on pause for a second, allow five to ten minutes of, of real connection points, community building, and then um, getting students and, and yourselves really back into the position to be able to be your very best for uh, coming into the day or coming out of the recess block or things like that where transitions happen. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, our second school priority is under cultivating climate, uh, culture, and community engagement. Um, and the Hanson goal is that by June of 2023, uh, the Hanson School will develop school-wide systems that promote social and emotional development, uh, well-being, and skill development for students, um, that support staff, and uh, that has accountability for student behavior. Um, and I know that we've talked about that in some, some different formats and fashions, and it's been referenced in other folks' presentations. Um, but it's really important work. Um, and to work towards this, uh, as a school, we want to be more proactive in, in the resources that we share with families around social and emotional support. Um, our data from our most recent community survey last year showed that 64% of our uh, families that responded agreed or strongly agreed that uh, they know what additional social and emotional supports are available for their child. And I think for our target, we'd like to get that up to 70% um, of respondents for this upcoming school year, so sort of see a 6% jump for us. Um, one way we hope to do that 
um, is to be purposeful and, and sort of more transparent in our communications and proactively send things in our weekly newsletters that might give some resources, might provide some opportunities for families to sort of get a little glimpse into some of the things that are available, the work that we do with students through that lens. Um, we would also like to work to develop systems um, of response and communication and follow up with staff that better supports uh, behavioral concerns. Um, and again, going back to our most recent staff survey, um, from last year it indicated that 45% of our staff agreed or strongly agreed that administration is responsive when they seek support for student behavior um, and management concerns. Um, and you know, I think when you, when you have the conversations with staff, there's a lot of emotion sometimes when uh, behavior, and I don't mean that in a negative way, um, but I think you know, when behavior occurs, everybody wants to do the right thing for, for students and, and, and children, and uh, staff is no different, and I think the true care that they have for students and we all have for students is, is evident in all of, the, all of those conversations. And they also sometimes make those conversations hard if folks are sort of like you know, running into continuous issues or if they've um, you know, tried something and it worked one day and didn't work the next day. Um, so I think one thing that has been uh, a great piece to this, um, and again, give a shout out to Mr. Fogel for his assistance. Um, we've built a behavior data, uh, data tracker that allows staff to streamline the ability to document behavioral concerns, um, and that allows for improved communication with administration um, around follow-up with behavior. And I think the communication is such a huge, huge piece. I think that's often where we fall short. You know, there's a concern, it gets addressed, but may not always be sort of that, that closed the loop with the staff who might have had the concern. Um, or maybe it was sort of the quick hallway conversation and not like the, the more in-depth piece that um, we know to be helpful. Um, so this has been really great. We get, uh, you know, staff is, is already utilizing it. It gives us a great lens on um, offering support to students that might need it. And we're excited to sort of see uh, how we can utilize that throughout the school year. Um, and then the other part to that is that we, again, sort of think through that lens of restorative practice. Um, when staff uh, feels that there's a need to document a behavior, we'd really love to start to see increases in, um, you know, because there is a portion that says, you know, did you, did you have administrative response? Did you sort of have a conversation with a student? We'd love to see uh, the idea of restorative practice start to become more evident in our work with students when it's appropriate. And um, when I say that, I mean sometimes you just sort of have to follow the handbook. Um, you have to go a particular route. But I think when, when staff feels empowered to be able to sort of have that community building moment, that connection point with a student, and feel like they can also help a student um, navigate behavior and learn some skills, I think that's something that we're hopeful for as well. So uh, we did indicate we'd love to see 25% of responses indicate some sort of a restorative uh, approach uh, by the end of the school year. All right, our third and final school priority is under achieving educational excellence uh, through effective teaching, learning, and leading. Um, and, and in this particular instance, uh, the Hanson School Goal is really very similar to uh, the district goal that Mr. Follin had previously shared. Um, so our Hanson Goal is that by June 2023, the Hanson School will build the systems, the structures, and the capacity to use data to drive high-quality instructional design, meet the differentiated needs of students, and increase student achievement. Um, so to achieve this goal, um, we have a building-based academic uh, leadership team um, that's comprised of uh, some building administrators, some content specialists. Um, uh, we have uh, folks at the district level that rotate through those meetings as well. Um, and that group will meet bi-weekly uh, throughout the year to review academic data and to build plans of support at each grade level team. Um, we'll use data to track student intervention and achievement um, and create targeted intervention groups um, in each of our intervention cycles. Um, in addition, uh, we have 11 staff members 
um, that have applied and that have been selected to participate in this year's uh, Hanson Instructional Leadership Team, which is an awesome number. We're really um, pleased to have that uh, willingness for folks to engage in additional conversation around instruction. Um, it's a really great uh, group of, of, of professionals that span different grade levels. There's a special educator that is part of that group. Um, again, our content specialists. So it's a really uh, dynamic group and we're excited to begin. Um, our first meeting is actually scheduled for November 1st. Um, and you know that group will again it meets monthly and our goal is to create a shared vision of again high quality instruction teaching learning and leading um, and how that work happens in the Hanson School um, in addition um, as Principal Lamore mentioned as well um, all of our teachers are utilizing the workshop model for instruction in uh, literacy um, and also as again not new uh, information for the committee or, or for the community but um, we're also engaged in reveal math which is our new math curriculum um, and so wanting to provide support for for staff to as we sort of navigate this as well um, through continued work with um, some great consultants and some also uh, district resources as um, you know uh, staff builds upon their own professional knowledge to be uh, the wonderful instructors that that they are um, and then finally, as it relates to student performance on assessments, um, there's a couple specific targets that we're hoping to hit. Um, one is that we uh, want to in increase the math and ELA percentile rank and star data by 5%. Um, we'd love to move from 60 to 65%. Um, so last year, students demonstrated an increase of 32 points in their standard scores from fall to spring. If we can get that number to 40, um, that'll help us to, to navigate our goal and to, or excuse me, to get to our goal. Um, we're also looking to increase the percentage of students that are meeting or exceeding expectations in the math MCAS um, by 6%. Um, so last year, 59% of the Hanson students that took the MCAS uh, fell into either of those two categories of meeting or exceeding expectations. Um, our target for this current school year is to get that number up to 65%. So again, that 6% growth. Um, and that's a gain of 16 students across grades 3, 4, and 5. Um, and then the last piece here is we would like to increase the average ELA MCAS growth by 3%. Um, so last year our growth was uh, sort of our aggregate growth was 52%. We'd like to see that get up to 55%. Um, and again, uh, working with Mr. Fogel and, and sort of looking at some of the specifics around that, um, we've identified uh, targeting conventions of writing. Um, in our instruction across the grade levels, so it's not unique to 345, but I think it's something that uh, is important that is a focus across. Um, and so that would encompass things like uh, building skills and sentence structure, things like capitalization, punctuation, um, fluency of sentence structure, coordinating compound sentences. Um, and again, he's been a great resource for me, and, and you know, we're be, you know, rolling this out with staff so that they have that uh, ability to dig a little bit more deeply, understand their students at that really uh, specific level. Um, and so, you know, those particular areas were ones that we identified that many of our students lost points on. And so I think if we can be really purposeful and, and focus on uh, building those skills, um, not just for the purpose of taking MCAS and performing well on MCAS, but they're just great skills to have to be a, a good writer. Um, and writing as, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, but that's going to serve you well no matter what you do. Um, so anyways, thank you for listening. I know I sort of went on maybe beyond my 10 minutes. I don't know. I didn't keep track. but. Um, I'm happy to take any questions if, if anybody has them. Wonderful. No, I've been leading a lot of the discussion, so I'm just gonna, I have some comments, but I wanted to ask the school committee if they have any questions. Just two. Um, you know, I, I think one thing we've sort of talked about at school committee level is setting targets and have a sense of, okay, where we start, where we want to go. So I really commend you for picking some targets and, and setting up, you know, again, the goals to get there. So I, I, I think that's outstanding. The other piece, and just to your point about communication, um, conventions of writing is singing my song. 
because again, you know, we can you know text and all that, but eventually, again, students you know, need to be able to communicate in a cohesive way um, that communicates, you know, to others. So um, I, I love seeing stuff like that. So again, not just the MCAS, but really, it's a it's a real world skill. And uh, so thank you. That's true. That's my cheer for grammar. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a t-shirt for you, Mr. Cheer grammar. Uh, but no, thank you. I have one common question. Um, you called out families and, and with actual numbers that you believe that you know that have awareness of the resources for social emotional tools that they might have. Yes. Do you have an idea or insight to why or what population mm -hmm. does not know about the resources and how can they use Yeah, it's a it's a great question. Um, not always, um, unless families choose to sort of self-identify. Um, it can be anonymous, so that can make it difficult, but there is an opportunity um, that's built into the survey, so like if you want to have additional conversation, you can plug in your name and email, and we can okay. speak to folks that way, but on sort of like the whole level, not always. Yeah, because it seems, I mean, especially after COVID, but I think at any point in life, if we have the social emotional resources that we, if we can make them available, which I know we are making them available, but parents are not finding it. Yep. How can we like backtrack that working from that situation of knowing that they don't have access or they don't know where to find them? What can we do to promote it maybe? Or even like a marketing campaign? I don't know what can we do with outreach so that people can be aware of those resources more yep. easily. And it could be language, it could be, like, I, I don't know, it can be so many different reasons, technology, or just not knowing how to get to those, but I question that as, I appreciate that you have a goal to increase that, but I think that the broader question might be, why? Why don't we have more people that are aware? I don't know the answer, but something to explore. Yeah, thank no, thank you. And I don't think it's specific to thinking hands in, sure. either. Nope, and I, right. I appreciate your... And my, my question um, or commentary is just essentially, um, when I was first, so first of all, this is fantastic. Um, when I was first looking at the anticipated indicators of progress, sometimes, you know, and sometimes those, those indicators of pro progress are completing various tasks or actions that you know need to happen and that is the indicator because it got done so I was like okay this is good hope that there's some quantitative in here and sure enough thank you very much I'm glad to see the, and actually the detail of calling out a question on a survey I said well this is one way we could know it's qualitative quantitative there's a, there's a way to take a look at how do we know that we're making progress so I really do appreciate the time um, taken to try to look at some um, <coughs> areas where that might point, give you a sense you're headed in the right direction. My question, and, and generally this looks great, my question for you as we get to the very back of the presentation, get into some bold goals setting around um, the MCAS and uh, STAR data without actually saying what the action might be. So is one to infer it's um, you know, extra focus and training on these things, or what are, what are your plans to yeah. help make that possible? Uh, great question. I think it's um, it's providing information for the staff that is working with students that we've identified mm. of, um, you know, again, the, the way that, that, that it's been um, 
broken down at the district level through Josh's work and others' work, um, and then sort of rolled and provided with us. It, it is so specific. Um, we know exactly the students who may have missed meeting expectations by half a point, by one point, and, and we, we know the names. Um, we know some of the standards that maybe those students have historically um, been successful with and maybe ones that maybe we've sort of fallen a little bit short with. Mm -hmm. And so I think that process of being very specific and purposeful and helping to get that information into the hands of teachers and the continued work with teachers around um, the review of data and, and how to sort of help that student um, through an instructional way to, to make that leap. And again, I think when we target the standards we know we've fallen short with and are purposeful in trying to build up our instruction with that, um, that's that's part of our hope is that we can, you know, sort of get those kiddos that just just fell into a category of, of just short of exceeding expectations or just short of meeting expectations or whatever category it might be, um, target those skills and build them up that way. Oh, that makes sense. So um, really using targeted data, individualized instruction or just a change um, in the way instruction's being um, delivered in order to drive that, those numbers. That's, that makes perfect sense. All right, thank you. Thank you. Any other comments, questions? All right, thanks again. Thank you very much. Welcome. Thank you. Um, thank you for having me here to present the JFK um, School Improvement Plan. So I started sort of this journey by um, reviewing the previous year's um, student uh, SIP plan and also speaking with staff. Um, that was part of my um, entry into JFK and talking about um, last year's plan, where we wanted to go in the future. Um, and then I did um, a lot of work. I want to thank Sarah Shannon. Um, for really helping me put this together, but also Josh Vogel, who really sat with me around the data. So um, without them, I would have maybe not be here right now. Um, so at JFK, we are, you're going to hear similar themes to um, my elementary colleagues. Um, our first priority around achieving educational ec excellence and equity really focuses on um, First, reviving the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion um, Committee. That had been instituted before at JFK and had gone through a few iterations of it. Um, and I am looking for and have put out to um, the community to gain some interest from um, family members as well as um, faculty members. And so I have a um, diverse group of people who have um, sent me their intent. Um, and so my sort of deadline to get all that together is tomorrow, um, and then spending some time next week looking at those, um, the, the interest in really sort of recreating the committee. Um, and the goal really of the committee is to um, help create a school vision um, that includes um, an inclusive and equitable vision statement. Um, I really believe that if we are able to focus on these areas and promote um, the awareness to build our community, that we're able to think about um, students in a very intentional way, but also family members um, and community members as well, and how we are um, raising their awareness, but also raising the staff awareness about how we see our daily practices um, through a diverse and equitable lens. Um, and so one of the things that we also want to do is it, my plan is to design and roll out an elementary instructional materials review tool. Um, we've been talking a lot with the staff members um, about how we are um, 
showing diversity in our classrooms and the materials that we're using and how we're vetting those materials. And so um, I think working with my um, academic leadership team, my instructional leadership team, to really come up with some tool to be able to vet those materials and then pilot those um, that tool for all the staff at um, JFK. Um, also, I think is a theme in my um, with my colleagues is introducing and building the capacity of the staff to implement restorative justice. Um, I took the first part of the course this summer with a number of staff from JFK. I have some staff in, that are doing it right now, and so really the idea is after we. Um, come together sort of the second half of the year to really think about how we are training the staff and some of the components and using them um, proactively, sort of starting with adult circles and thinking about how we're going to implement that into our classroom um, and really giving staff the common language to be able to discuss restorative justice um, practices. And then also... Um, peer observation. So the staff members who are feeling comfortable with it and using it in their classroom, having some of their colleagues come in um, and sort of watch that in practice, and then thinking about how we, what additional professional development we would need in that area. Um, our, my second priority is around cultivating climate, culture, and community engagement. Um, and so the goal for this area is to increase positive student behavior um, as evidence through systems that track behavior and, and incidents within our school culture. Um, so last year at the JFK, there was a, um, a student uh, behavior um, incident report that was sort of piloted. And so we did a little work um, in September to really sort of um, tweak that, um, look at the data from last year and think about how we're going to move forward. Um, and so working with my um, team chair and the student support team, um, we're talking about um, revising our school-wide expectations and the language we use with social-emotional learning um, and really uh, using that behavior tracker and, tracker and data dashboard um, to think about how we are documenting behavior um, and what, as a community, we consider sort of the levels of behavior that we want to be tracked, uh, have tracked, um, and that 50% of teachers on, on a survey will say that they agree or strongly agree that the administrators are responsive when seeing Seeking support. Um, some of the things that I heard was that they might put it on the the, the um, tool, but then they're not sure what happens after that. And so we want, really want to be transparent with um, getting that information and then following up um, with whatever has to happen. Um, the other thing is around supporting teachers and infusing components of social emotional learning into their instruction across all content areas. I really believe that um, SEL is not sort of a one-off, like you have morning meeting and then you have SEL for 15 minutes and then you're done. That is part of your day. Um, so it is um, discussing discussions during collaborative time around the language we want to use, um, how we are speaking to students, how we're speaking to each other, and um, helping the um, the teachers to feel confident about their skills and being able to manage more um, incidents in the classroom. Um, that I think my conversations with teachers have been that um, usually a behavior might happen and they call the office and say, um, it, can you deal with that? But really bringing that back into the classroom because that's their community and they want to own um, 
everything that happens in that community, and obviously I will help, but um, as we think about restorative justice and social-emotional practices, it makes sense to try to contain that in their um, classroom. Um, and in turn, with working with the teachers about infusing the components of SEL, it is really educating um, and engaging families um, about school behavior and expectations and um, helping parents to um, sort of see what are the things that we do here at the school and how we can partner with them at home. So have, helping parents to understand components of the SEL um, curriculum that we are going to eventually adopt. And then also um, wanting them to be able to um, feel confident in a you know survey um, to say that they agree or strongly agree that we are using appropriate um, SEL supports to uh, manage behavior um, in, at JFK. Um, the third priority is um, around achieving educational excellence through effective teaching, learning, and leading. Um, and the goal is for, very similar to my colleagues, to build system structures and the capacity to use data um, to drive high-quality instruction and design um, as we're meeting um, the differentiated needs of students to increase um, student achievement. Um, and this goal is really focused on looking at multiple pieces of data, um, looking at um, um, uh, the trajectory of the data, looking at past data, um, and um, as I said before, Josh Vogel was really um, instrumental in helping me sort of think about this um, as sort of a long-term goal. But um, the key, one of the key action items is the academic leadership team really assisting teachers and analyzing data in order to support um, their instruction and really driving instruction that um, speaks to um, diverse learners. And we've already started that this year. Um, we've looked at um, the multiple data points, the data points that we have now, the STAR data, as well as MCAS, um, and around multiple standards. So, you know, we are starting sort of uh, broad and we're narrowing it down as we're looking at um, how we're putting kids into intervention groups, um, how are we doing tier one, tier two, and tier three instruction, and what that means for kids who have to be pulled out of the classroom versus can we do some of that work inside of the classroom. Um, another key action item is to increase the MCAS math scores for meeting and exceeding expectation by 5%. Um, we, again, we have a list of students who, um, you know, where they fall, who is missed by a few, what the standard was, and so we're really going to... Um, to sort of step back and take a really good look at that and think about with our new math curriculum how we are um, we are using the curriculum and we're using what we know about the the history and the data to figure out how we can help those um, you know sort of kids get over the hump that um, a lot of what we see or the teachers see in the classroom is that when they look at the data and they look at the kids in the classroom um, some of them would say I would never have guessed that they would have not met um, uh, expectations and so really trying to figure out what are we missing and how to help kids get over that hump um, the same in sort of ELA that we want to um, increase the um, percentage rank on the star assessment data by 5%. Um, and it's it, it's the same as like we are thinking about um, how kids are presenting in the classroom, how kids present on assessments, and then really try to bridge the gap between what we see in front of us on a day-to-day -day basis versus what we see um, in a testing um, environment. Um, 
and then our last our last goal around the um, or key action item around the MCAS ELA increasing our scores um, for meeting and exceeding expectation by 10% and that is focusing on the narrative writing um, in ELA. Our data has shown that um, narrative writing is a little bit more challenging um, for students and we want to really um, focus and hone in on the narrative writing. Um, and even though we're talking about, um, you know, MCAS and grades three through five take MCAS, we're also talking about um, the primary grades as well, that we are going to focus on narrative writing as a school um, across K through five this year. Thank you, Ryan. Yes. Uh, Any questions? Just a really a, more of a clarification. Mm -hmm. So, in talking about um, the restorative justice practices in keeping students, um, rather than having a teacher send a student to the office mm -hmm. and having the teacher handle that, mm -hmm. whatever, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious um, the shared understanding between sort of the teacher and the, and the office. Mm -hmm. When is there a point at which okay, you know what I I, I can't handle this or it, it's gone too far? Yeah. I, assume that, I assume that's part of that discussion. Yes, that process. is part of the discussion that we're having now around. Um, you know, what are the things that um, can be addressed in the classroom and have kids move back? So they're learning quickly mm -hmm. and what are the things that are a little bit bigger or have been maybe addressed multiple times that we haven't seen a change that they might have to come to the office and talk to um, the school psychologist or the school adjustment counselor or me um, I'm really trying to um, you know let staff know that once you come to the office that's a really big issue and so let's think about um, some of the things that aren't that are a little bit smaller that we might be able to address in the classroom and get kids back to learning as quickly as possible. Okay, and then actually, this is sort of a, a bigger picture mm -hmm. question, and it comes back to a sort of a funding thing. Mm -hmm. um, is folks, is, is whether it's teachers or administrators, start to identify if they need more staff mm -hmm. or if they mean they need a again, we've talked about perhaps an ed assisting, and my dream mm -hmm. would be, you know, well-trained ed assistant in, yeah. in every classroom mm -hmm. if, that, if I had all the money in the world. So mm -hmm. I think part of, to my mind, part of this, what you're doing moving forward, is eventually trickling back to us what staffing, additional staffing you may need. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I'm just sort of putting that out there, but from our mm -hmm. funding perspective, that's where we come in. Mm -hmm. So if there are things, again, I'm spending all sorts of money here, because that's what I do. Um, but just to have that information come to mm -hmm. us in terms of do you sure. need more staffing? Sure. Maybe not. I'm yeah. just, you know, but going yeah. forward. You know, I think that we, um, you know, my message to staff is this is the faculty in the building, this is what we have for staff. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be creative and figure out how to make that mm -hmm. work. Yes, if we get to a point where we cannot make it work, I would absolutely go to Superintendent Bowen to say, here is the issues and we would be having, I would be having that conversation sure. with him along the way. Yeah. Um, but I really do believe that it's not always, we need more, okay. we need more, we need more. Mm -hmm. We need to rethink what we have because it might not be working Great. in the right way. Perfect, thank you. It's a perfectly eloquent way to sum that up. Um, and I want to thank you for uh, jumping in with both feet, probably <laughs> both hands and both feet, um, into this process. Um, you know, one thing I neglected to say at the beginning, and I, I wish I did, and I'll say it now, um, probably haven't said it before, and that is that these are called school improvement goals. Um, Jesse also calls uh, what we have called traditionally in our district um, district action goals. They also call them district improvement goals. We shorten it to district goals. Um, and one of the reasons we've done that um, is because we want to be sure that 
folks understand that the, the goals that are being set are meant to be accelerators. There's all this other work that's going on the school every single day that has to be priority. And so in taking the time to set district action goals or even superintendent goals, they're meant to be accelerators for greater achievement and greater impact in the district. And so I wish they were called um, school impact goals um, versus improvement because we are really proud of the work that you're all doing, <laughs> joining us now, but every single day to um, make the schools as successful as they are. And I'm just... Um, once again, really very appreciative of the time taken to align with the district goals, to think through how we will know if we're successful and why we might have been and where we might fall short and be willing to, to set some bold targets because we're not afraid of them. Like, let's give it a try. And, uh, you know, what's the worst that can happen? We, we learn, we reset, and, and move again. So I um, just want to say thank you for this. I hope that um, I suggest that. Uh, the school improvement goals, if they can end up on the individual school websites, if the snippets of you presenting in video could be disseminated, I think it's worth it because it's their plans and goals that the community, I think parents as well, share, and they should share. We're partners in this. And so um, just want to, again, say thank you for taking the time and really thinking this through. They're impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Mr. Mulhern. Good evening, one more time, everyone. Um, thank you for having me. Um, I do want to echo Ms. Watson and echo her thanks to both uh, Ms. Shannon and uh, Mr. Fogel. Um, Ms. Shannon, for uh, her guidance, especially uh, from her perspective as the former principal, has been very, very helpful in providing context, especially around the history of professional learning and where it made sense to pick back up coming out of a pandemic and with a new principal. And um, Mr. Fogel for really providing the data points that serve as the foundation for this plan and not just for providing data points, but for meeting with me, meeting with members of the leadership team in the building to really kind of make sure that um, the data is demystified and there's a good basis of understanding for communicating out uh, more broadly to the faculty. So I really want to begin with that acknowledgement. Um, we set goals um, that I think are, I'm pleased that they're aligned with the district's vision. And also I do think that these are reasonable targets. Um, to your point, Ms. Miranda, about, you know, there's a lot to do, there is a lot to do, but I think um, if I don't see all of these goals as disparate, I see them as pieces of a larger puzzle that we're trying to pull together. And I think that they are reasonable to work on simultaneously and that the, the mechanism for that is collaboration, conversation. Um, and I'm fortunate at the Galvin that there's a lot of distributed leadership. Um, there's a, a good building leadership team. Each team has a leader. We have department coordinators who are housed in the building, and there's a lot of people who take leadership on different facets of these plans, uh, all of whom I've had very good communication with in the early going, and so I think that um, sets us up to be able to, to make good progress on a number of fronts, so I'm, I'm confident that we can. Um, so our first goal uh, in support of the district's goal is really twofold to make sure that all of our students feel uh, that the Galvin is a home away from home and also that 
everybody has equitable access to high quality academic content. Um, and so we have a number of key actions outlined here. I'll highlight two. Uh, one is to increase the total enrollment percentage of BIPOC students in the grade seven accelerated math program and looking at last year's data, 27% uh, of our total seventh grade population was in it, which is um, short of the, the, the diversity breakdown of the class as a whole. And so we wanna make sure uh, that we're bringing the numbers more into alignment with the, the student population as a whole given that it is our one accelerated course offering uh, overall. Um, and I'm pleased to um, report that work on that, uh, reviewing that process is already well underway. Uh, they're analyzing the IXL data and also the process for selection uh, for that. So uh, we are well underway to, I, you know, toward achieving that, I believe. And then the other uh, key action step, and as others have mentioned, expanding the scope of the DEI committee's work. I'm very pleased that all of the, our parent representatives uh, from last year were willing to continue in this capacity uh, going into to this year's work. Uh, we also have a uh, diverse uh, representation from our staff who are gonna continue this work. Uh, we really are interested in seeing what data the equity audit yields. Um, I know personally I'm very interested to see, uh, but I know that the committee is because it's going to help to shape some of our areas of focus going forward. Uh, and I also am going to be asking for the DEI's input into how best to implement um, both proactive and reactive restorative justice measures into our uh, regular operational practice. Our, our building leadership team attended the restorative justice circle training over the summer. We got a lot out of it. I know a number of our staff have signed up for subsequent training. Uh, and We want to really explore how we can um, incorporate some circles, especially into our X block time uh, in the new year uh, as a way to um, get students to open up to each other uh, and maybe develop uh, some stronger relationships with both uh, their peers and teachers. Uh, under priority number two, cultivating climate, culture, and community engagement and sort of threading to um, goal one, um, we do anticipate a new student information system that's going to be implemented. Uh, I know that behavior is top of mind in many of our schools uh, and certainly at all of the Canton schools and also in many schools uh, all across the state. Um, we want to make sure, I will say that uh, in my, my early uh, experience at the Galvin, our leadership and response team is highly responsive and very efficient. I do not have concerns that reports are going unaddressed or unaccounted for or anything like that. However, we do want to make sure that we are um, tracking all of our interventions, making sure that we're consistent in the application of what we do. And also we want to analyze the measures that we take and how effective um, we see them as being, uh, you know, when, when students step out of line, we want to make sure that uh, what we're doing leads them to reflection and also to not repeating an action. And so we are conducting weekly meetings already um, with building leadership. We will soon involve uh, Mr. Fogel, hopefully on a monthly basis to look at our uh, disciplinary data and see uh, if there are areas that we need to uh, sort of heighten our focus on. Um, we, I also really would like to engage the school council in a full handbook review this year. Um, I think as I mentioned at an earlier meeting when we were talking about handbooks, um, I did not have a lot of uh, direct experience when it came to the 
handbook approval process, and so I really want to take a look at what we're doing, what we have available to us, and what makes sense uh, in terms of policy going forward. So that'll be very important work uh, for the school council uh, to undertake this year. And I, as I mentioned before, we are going to look in the new year to pilot restorative justice circles during uh, designated X-block periods um, to see how we might scale that up to be part of more regular practice. Um, under priority area three, achieving educational equity, ec excellence, excuse me, through effective teaching, learning, and leading. Um, we want to implement the structures and best practices to effectively analyze student data and construct a shared vision for high quality instruction. This will inform instructional practice and curriculum assessment design and assessment design. As a result, the school community will see an achievement increase of three to five percent of our students meeting or exceeding expectations on the 2023 MCAS. Uh, I want to highlight a couple of key action steps underneath this goal. Uh, utilizing data to drive curriculum implementation conversations. This is where we see the uh, nexus point between our work and pro project-based learning that has been ongoing at the Galvin for a number of years and the district and the school's new push uh, for data-driven uh, modifications to practice. Uh, we got a lot of very useful data from um, PBL Works. Uh, it was student-generated feedback off of last year's sixth grade projects uh, where the overwhelming majority of our students indicated they had a positive experience with the projects, that it drove them to deeper understanding, that it drove them to develop better collaborative relationships with their peers, um, and so on and so forth. A number of very important indicators were very, very positive. Our theory is, um, and it's more than just a theory, it's, it's data-backed, um, that because tests like MCAS require students to apply knowledge and skills that they've acquired over a long period of time in a way that they have not necessarily seen before that moment that they open the question on the test, that project-based learning is a key to getting students to practice that skill set on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and so we really want to make sure that we have a number of interdisciplinary projects that the students will continue to have access to, but also we have challenged each individual classroom teacher to implement at least one project-based unit of instruction uh, throughout the year uh, as we continue to, to grow that work. Um, and so, as I said before, we're really looking to increase um, our meeting or exceeding levels on the math MCAS by six percentage points uh, by the end of this year. Um, and in the ELA by, by 3%. Uh, these are numbers based on our, our analysis of previous years and previous levels of growth and where we would like to see our students move. Uh, and finally, priority number four, um, we are in the, once again, fortunate position to uh, be engaged in the MSBA uh, planning process and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to those meetings and really envisioning what the future of the Galvin will be. Uh, we're extremely excited that we have added new programming. We now have um, we've additional modern language instruction this year, which includes a survey course at the sixth grade level, introducing students to both um, Spanish and French simultaneously, uh, and also our new theater program, which has uh, really paid dividends for our older students. Um, we have 
faculty who have done a wonderful job implementing that new programming. Where we are lacking is space. Uh, we, you know, we are as efficient as we can possibly be in our use of space right now, but efficient is not always a positive term uh, when it comes to education. And so uh, we really look forward to um, engaging all of our community stakeholders in that process as the year goes along. Thank you very much for listening and happy to take your questions. Well, I have a few. Wait, okay. Yeah, oh. you go. While you're formulating. Okay. okay. So, a couple of quick, um, just you know, points of pride or gratitude. Probably more gratitude than pride. Uh, both. <laughs> um, I'm thrilled and delighted and hopeful that this um, new student information system will be uh, a big upgrade for all of us, uh, but particularly you know for the Galvin. So, I'm excited to see that that's part of your focus and your uh, goal number, your priority number two goal. Um, and then of course, that you're undertaking that handbook review. I think that's important. It's a great opportunity, as you mentioned, to involve stakeholders and also just look at best practice and see um, what can be tightened up and then just better communicated and maybe supported through, whether it's professional learning, whatever it happens to be, student learning, um, to create more clarity for folks, um, which I think we've, we've heard sometimes um, can be very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I uh, wanted to mention is you are the, so far, um, only principal who's had to develop priority uh, number four, management and operations. Let's acknowledge <laughs> that being part of the MSBA process mm -hmm. is a great opportunity, but also a tremendous amount, it's a lift, it's mm -hmm. a lift. And so uh, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm, as I'm sure you are, that you're, you're part of the process. And I'm hopeful that this uh, ends up being a really uh, exciting opportunity for staff to be heard and part of the process and kind of renews if anybody's feeling a little less, you know, invigorated, um, you know, re renews their sense of um, hope and interest and engagement. Um, in, in, in teaching and learning as well at the school. What a fantastic opportunity. I know it's years down the road, but mm -hmm. to, to the effect, to the degree that um, staff can be involved in that visioning, just like students, I think it'd be wonderful. Um, Ms. Moran and I uh, got the opportunity together with um, Principal Sperling and um, Superintendent Follin to visit the World Language Lab this week at the high school, and Ms. Olson was noting that in her dream, there would be the same lab. There'd be continuity in the middle school. So I just say, Dream big, and hopefully uh, we can deliver much of those dreams to this town in short order. Terrific. Terrific. Thank you. Yeah, that's great to know. All right. Any other comments or questions? You do. Yes. Yes. Ms. Halloran. Do you mind elaborating a little bit more on uh, the the pilot program, the restorative justice circles during next one? Sure. Um, so, in the training. Um, it was made very clear that restorative justice, even though it, it, it's a little bit counterintuitive to say it, does not always need to be a reaction to something. Um, and that circles in particular are a, a highly structured discussion model uh, that ensures um, everyone has an equitable chance to input. Um, it's not, they're not curriculum-based discussions. They're discussions based on life experience, based on perceptions of um, uh, mistreatment or based on shared life experiences that might have been traumatic or positive. You know, there's, there's, 
there's uh, topics around any number of, of you know different categories. So I think it could be, especially in the X block groups, which tend to be smaller than the class sizes on average, um, a real opportunity for taking a break from the grind of the, the academic day and uh, also getting to know peers on a slightly deeper level than middle schoolers tend to. Um, you know, it's, it's a tricky age. And also, uh, it's a way, you know, if we really get adequate training for staff to build those genuine connections with, with the students beyond just the, you know, you're in my class and you need to do your homework. And, uh, and not, that that's, I, I, that, not that that's their attitude generally. They do a nice job, but it's, it's always a nice opportunity to get to know who your students are as human beings. And we don't always have the time in the day to do it. So I, I think there's a lot of potential there if we do it right. Thank you. Kudos, and that's really exciting. And honestly, it makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad it's happening. So thank you. Okay. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone. All right. Thank, thank you very so much. much. And then finally, welcome Principal Sperling. Thank you. So I'm fully aware that I it's me between my colleagues being able to go home and get some rest. So um, <laughs> I'll get right to it. Uh, so again, I, I do want to thank Ms. Shannon and Mr. Fogel as well, just like my counterparts that um, really, really helpful in, in helping to keep focused um, and to provide some, some really important uh, lenses into the work that, that we wanted to do. And, and Ms. Shannon is always uh, really helpful in terms of proofreading things and just kind of looking at it through, a, through her lens. So thank you both very much. Um, so jumping right in, priority, priority area number one, there's a couple of different pieces in here and, and um, I wanted to make sure that, that those fit, even if they kind of looked a little bit different, and they are two sort of um, different directions that will tie in together. So um, one of them is, is surrounding our NEASC process, which I think I'll have an opportunity um, in future meetings to give you some more information on in more depth. But just in short, it's a huge undertaking for the staff. Uh, it really is, and, and it involves student voice. It involves uh, community and family surveys and data. Um, but it really is that once every 10 years opportunity for us to take a look at ourselves uh, in a really, really deep and meaningful way. And combining that with the ongoing equity audit work, I think, is really going to shine a light on some areas that, that we want to improve and, and really bring Canton High School uh, into the future. So I think the timing of it, and I've been preaching this for two years now to my staff, and uh, I'm calling our sessions play dates so that they can at least see them as a little bit of fun. And um, <laughs> it's a tricky ask, but uh, we'll have one tomorrow afternoon during our professional development day. But um, I think they understand the importance of this and, and actually the um, how timely it is for us right now where we are as, as a district and as a building that we're picking up momentum. Um, we're not really focusing on what was in the past. We really do want to move the ship forward. So this will help us um, stay focused. So most of that, the anticipated indicators on that one are sort of time-based just to keep us true to that process. Um, and then we will have our collaborative conference where the visiting team will come out next fall. Um, so we do have to complete our self-reflection before that um, process. The second piece of that is a little bit different, um, but does tie in together. So we spoke a lot, and Josh was helpful uh, with some data around uh, demographics in some of our upper-level courses. And, and uh, the more I thought about it, I wanted to take a deeper look, really for myself, to understand uh, what our course recommendation process was, because I think it starts there. If kids aren't recommended for upper-level courses, um, we have a lot of students that that's, they're going to take that guidance from their teachers, and, and that's the level that they feel like they're appropriate for. Um, so I want to do some work around that. I've actually started the 
the process with my department chairs at our, our most recent leadership team meeting, uh, and they're all on board for it, to identify some data sources within each department that can really be used to um, kind of quantify that process and, and have some measurables in there that we're basing those decisions on. I'm sure they've been there. Um, I don't think they've been consistent from department to department, uh, and they're not easily referenceable. So I couldn't go to the departments and say, hey, give me your, you know, your template or your process for recommending students to courses. But um, to have those data points in there, as well as the students' day-to-day -day performance, uh, I think would serve us well to, to get some cohesion and some consistency. Um, once we have that, and, and I feel like we as a leadership team have a good grasp on that, then I think we'll be able to hone in on um, our students not being recommended for those levels for the right reasons or for appropriate reasons. Um, or are we just not facilitating that growth the way that we should? So sort of step one in a multi-step process, I think. Um, and then again, within there, and I wanted to make sure that in each of these priority areas there was a measurable um, and some data points that will come out of that. So the goal is to increase enrollment um, of students from selected populations in advanced placement courses. Uh, the current percentage is around 35%. Uh, we want to increase that by 3 to 5% for next year. Um, and some of that will be hopefully um, increasing the way that we recommend students for those classes and open those doors for them. Priority area number two, uh, again, is, is a continuation from last year in giving students an opportunity to have some voice and agency in their school. Uh, so I, I, I felt like we got to a really good place last year where the students that we did meet with, and you know, Emma's a perfect example of that, um, really took those positions to heart and really saw that uh, Canton High School was their community. Um, however, a lot of times it was a small group of students that were serving on multiple committees or multiple groups and things like that. And the goal here is to really expand the number of individual students that are involved in those opportunities. Um, and and the, the place that we landed uh, was to increase those groups by 10%. So uh, yes, we'll have some overlap. We've got those students that just want to be part of everything, and that's fantastic. Um, but we have a lot of students that I think their voice hasn't quite been included yet. Um, and whether that's direct outreach attempts or setting up more focused groups where students can kind of come forward and, and contribute. Um, I was able to develop my Principals Advisory Council, which I was hoping to do last year. Um, we had over 60 students sign up that wanted to be part of that. I actually expected five or six total students. Um, so it's a big group, but we're going to be able to have some kind of spokes off that, that hub. Um, and a lot of those students aren't students that I've had the chance to work with before. So I think we're going to be in good shape with that one. And then again, some of the restorative justice practices, just keeping with the district goals. Uh, one of the areas on here, and I know it's come up from this committee a few times, is uh, myself and Mr. Mulhern plan to work together to develop a, a presentation for the community, uh, kind of what that looks like 6 to 12. Um, and there's a lot of common language in here between um, our two plans, and, and that was on purpose, um, to give families sort of a, a 6 to 12 perspective, knowing that it's going to be a little bit different at each level. But um, just to involve our communities, to be able to put something outward facing to the parents in the community, to allow them to understand it and, and see what it means at the different levels. So um, I think we can pull that off uh, using our resources pretty well and hopefully put a good product out there that um, educates the community as well. And then moving on to priority area number three. Uh, again, this really revolves around the use of data, um, and uh, you know, Mr. Mulhern may not have been as familiar with Handbook Review Committee. That was kind of my wheelhouse. Data has not been my wheelhouse, so this will be uh, very educational for me to, to work with Mr. Fogel and to um, 
you know, I can look at data, I can see that students, certain students are performing better than others, and it's kind of that next step of, okay, what do we do with that? How do we use that? How do we put that in the teacher's hands in a real meaningful way? So I think through his coaching sessions that he's already started with the department heads and with the teachers, it's going to bring that to life for them um, and really give them the opportunity to sort of see what that looks like on the other side and use that to change their instructional practices for the better. So um, that's a piece that, you know, from those coaching sessions with the individual teachers, to then us as a leadership team at the building level being able to get that feedback from the teachers about uh, what more do they need, was it useful, how can we help them sort of use that productively in the classroom rather than just understanding where the deficits are, how do we fix them. Um, and that'll hopefully be the, the next step to that. Um, and I guess the measurable, if we have to call it that for this one, um, is again, once we've identified some areas of, of particular challenge for students, which we've been able to do, um, is to really expect some growth. Now that we've, we've identified those, we know what those pockets are, it's our responsibility to put in some supports for those students as well. Um, so we're looking for a three to 5% growth um, in the meeting and exceeding expectations for the math MCAS, um, which will get us back up to where we had been sort of pre-pandemic above the 60% range. Um, comparing data from all grades, that brings us back to sort of that level, but if we look at the population that's going to be taking MCAS this year, they were considerably lower than that the last time they took a traditional MCAS. So it is going to be it's a big ask, it's a big jump. Um, I think it's very, very doable, and I think the fact that they will have now been in sort of full everyday classes for two full years, I think that alone, and, and Mr. Fogel was able to pull some really good attendance data to go along with that, but um, Mr. DeVoid, who's our math uh, department chair, has set out a department goal that's specifically using data to drive interventions in an ongoing basis and not wait for test results, but use those benchmarking assessments as we go through the school year, build in those remediation programs or extension programs um, so that there shouldn't be any surprises when we get those results back. That's it in a nutshell. Um, All right. There's certainly more in there, but those are the, the, the highlights. So, well, thank you uh, for the highlights. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll start um, this time by saying that um, you may say that data is not in your wheelhouse. Um, however, I do feel that this plan is an exemplar. I mean, in terms of specific, measurable, uh, achievable, realistic, rigorous, time-bound, uh, check, 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 um, really well put together plan um, in the midst of everything else we're doing, including the NIAS process and opening up schools and everything else. So just kudos on um, a really thoughtful, and it looks like, once again, logical plan to get to uh, some pretty big goals that you set. And once again, I'm glad that you, everybody is thinking about what is realistic and what could we do, but not being afraid to state the goal and make that goal just a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> That's okay, right? Because um, this is this is a journey. And um, like I said, I'm just really impressed by uh, the work that you've done here and you are doing. Um, the other piece is I, I think 100% uh, we will want to learn more here as a committee, as a point of order at some point, as an action item, maybe add to the agenda just to learn more about NEASC, what that is um, what it can mean for our district, even though we are, you know, probably far away from feeling, understanding the results, feeling the results, but we are, we benefit from the fact that you've led um, districts in the past through this, or at least you've got the experience. 
under your belt. So I think that that's helping us as well. Um, and to do that at the same time that we're undergoing a strategic plan um, for the district is fabulous. So just really uh, glad to have you um, all in on um, helping us as we evolve. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, other, yes, Ms. Arbolita? have a clarification question sure. um, when you were mentioning the 6 to 12 maybe family facing plan or um, document or what yeah. what is it maybe I, I won't even label it what 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 is it that you're going to be putting together so rough ideas that we've had so far is, is kind of a recorded presentation that could okay. be accessible to families when they need it it could be archived and referenced either in newsletters or websites um, just so that we can sort of get some definitions out there, get some real-world practices that are happening in our buildings, um, get people familiar with some of the terminology and, and sort of the rationale behind it, but not leave it as a one-off that if people are unable to attend, you know, let's say an in-person session. Um, but I think if they have that and it's accessible, and then knowing that we'll have those opportunities to interact with the community in a face-to-face -face session, um, it can build from there, I think, as we go through it. Correct. Okay. Yes. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Thank you. Any other comments or questions from the committee? All right. All that's right. it. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you to all of our principals for being here and uh, all the work that's gone into uh, not only putting these plans together, but honestly, just thinking through how we can keep doing great things for our students in the district. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you Thanks, everybody. Okay, so moving on to the next item on our agenda. It is H3, our MSBA update. Okay, thank you very much. This will just take a minute. Yeah. Uh, this week we submitted our, some of our, our final agreement documents for the feasibility uh, phase. Uh, we are hoping tomorrow that we'll receive official invitation to the October 26th meeting. Uh, go on, on the agenda. On that day, uh, Hi, folks. Thank you. Uh, on that day, there's a, a 10 o'clock meeting where a vote will be taken. Uh, Canton will be considered to go into the feasibility phase uh, for the Gallup Middle School project. Uh, really big moment. And then, uh, provided the vote goes well, which we anticipated would, uh, we would then attend a 1 o'clock meeting uh, for an orientation, very similar to when we get invited into the, the uh, consideration process overall. So. Uh, very exciting on track. Uh, MSBA has a great liaison. I just want to mention her name is, is Brittany Golden. She has been wonderful every step of the way for clarity purposes. Um, so that's it. Really exciting moment. Uh, and obviously, uh, after that 26th meeting, we'll have another another step forward with um, possibly a, a new or renovated Gallo Middle School. Wonderful. Yeah. That's a great update, and it's. It's funny that that falls to the background of everything else that's going on, but that's really big news, and we're glad that you're you together with uh, uh, Mr. Marshall are helping to lead the charge. Okay, uh, the next item on the agenda is a J, and that is speaking of Mr. Marshall, our Director of Finance and Operations report. Is there <coughs> anything else you'd like to report? <laughs> I just want to bring forward that we have um, solicited. Uh, 
some uh, quotes uh, for a five and 10 year capital plan. Um, I do have a recommendation um, that is ready to come forward to um, the full committee. Uh, Finance subcommittee has um, seen that. Um, so that will be coming um, shortly. Um, and then I think at a future meeting, we'll just be looking for um, approval to move forward with that process. All right, wonderful. And since um, you're mentioning it, and it may be newer topic to some of the members of the school committee, could you talk just for a moment about what the value of a capital plan is? Yeah, so um, it's huge uh, in terms of understanding um, the true large-scale needs of the district. Um, normally, specifically, when we get into uh, building maintenance um, and upkeep of our buildings, which can get away from um, uh, towns and schools uh, very quickly. Um, we do have some, some aging old uh, buildings. Um, very lucky to be part of the MSBA project for the middle school. Um, but, you know, JFK, Hanson, Luce, um, all um, are, are dated buildings that, that need lots of work. So um, it's a, a fresh set of eyes um, to come in, review uh, the envelope. So, you know, all of the exterior roofs, windows, doors, um, and then all of the uh, mechanical components of the, um, of the buildings, um, heating, um, you know, potential for air conditioning in the future um, in spaces that do not exist. Um, looking at the exterior of our buildings, um, parking lots, uh, fields, um, and all of that. So, you know, parking lots are, are another large piece. Um, the upkeep of our fields, um, maybe uh, new lighting, um, uh, replacement um, cycles of, of lighting on, you know, Memorial Field and things of that sort. So um, a lot that would go into it. Um, just if, if it's okay, I'll share a little bit of the um, part of the uh, quote that I, in the company that um, I will recommend to move forward um, includes software um, and the implementation of this into a software program um, that works into a, a preventative maintenance program as well. Um, so this is something that will be built, um, but then will be able to be maintained. Uh, for years to come, so it's not, um, you know, there was a feasibility that was study that was done back in, uh, you know, I think FY 16 and 17, a lot of money that was spent, um, but honestly, I think what that led to was a lot of binders that have uh, been put on a shelf um, and that there was not much that was, that was utilized out of that, you know, we have, we referenced them, but like that next step of understanding what was needed um, didn't kind of move forward because it wasn't presented in a way that allowed for that. Um, so we're really making sure that, yes, this work will be done, we'll re receive these recommendations, but then we need to be able to easily move forward and put them into to practice. Um, we're very fortunate that the town provides us a large amount of, of capital dollars, um, and we have a process in terms of how we, um, you know, divvy that money um, but having something that's already here um, to look out to those five and ten years, I think will really help us to plan um, as to what is available, um, you know, for other items as well within the district that might not fall into that kind of building um, piece. Yeah, no, it's, it makes perfect sense to me because without a plan, <laughs> and it, probably the tools to implement a plan, you are reduced to a scattershot approach and your constantly short-term identifying what seems to be a, a challenge or needs to be, you know, where money needs to be directed based on what's right in front of you, as opposed to making some choices and trade-offs about longer-term what bigger needs are. So the idea that we as a district might um, 
undertake a five and ten year capital plan that we would then um, probably do in conjunction with the strategic plan itself and understanding that we'll be um, also going through the MSVA process is, is, is fantastic because the next not logical question is, well, what school is next? Well, is it a school? We don't know. And it'd be better for for us and the entire town to plan against what we, what is hopefully um, a livable but long-term um, view on how we make sure that our schools are modern and um, doing what they need to to help achieve the goals that we set for the district. So, any questions on that? Just because we're kind of delving in a little bit. All right, so we'll learn more. Thank you. Any other updates? Uh, nothing more to report. Okay, fabulous. Thank you for that one. Okay, so item K is our consent agenda. Inside the consent agenda, we have uh, regular session minutes, October 6, 2022. We have the executive session minutes, October 6, 2022, and the warrant dated October 21st, 2022. Are there any items that a member of the committee wishes to remove from the consent agenda to discuss or further review? Okay. Hearing none, we get a motion to approve the consent agenda. So moved. All in favor? Aye. Aye. It's an aye for me. Zero. Consent agenda is approved. Next item on the agenda is L, the update of our subcommittee task force and liaison posts. Those things that we do in addition to the school committee work that you see here. Uh, let's head right on down the table and see who has any updates for us. Ms. Avelina. Uh, we did not meet last time for our policy subcommittee, so we'll be meeting next week and so that we don't have any updates for today exactly and other than than that no updates from other subcommittees okay fabulous i was not able to attend the building renovations committee meeting last night so i can't wait to hear the update from mr marshall who also attends that and um unfortunately the mpic meeting is happening tonight at 7, so I don't have that update either, but, um, and actually the next couple of meetings are kind of in conflict with the school committee, but we're staying in touch, that's for sure. Um, I don't have any other major updates that are of note, so I'll pass it on down. So two, two quick ones. One is uh, attended the CASA meeting on Monday, uh, and I'd say the highlight out of that was uh, to use who's our wellness coordinator and attends those meetings had three students from the high school come and really just he facilitated some questions that allowed we had great attendance at the meeting for various community members and it gave them an authentic level of voice and hearing um, around how addiction lives within the, the families of our students mm -hmm. um, and then the, the different challenges that they have around friends that are involved with drugs, involved with drinking, um, where that starts, what might be effective programming. Because um, as a group of adults, we've talked about what, what's the right goals, what's the right target area. What's, and um, we made a recommendation to start with students and listen to where it is. It's an organization, the town committee, that is not entirely uh, uh, about uh, students, per se. It is a community base at all different levels. But that was a nice entry point to hear them. It was very, very moving. Um, the three students, you know who you are. Uh, it was one of the most remarkable, educational, authentic experiences that we had. It was um, 
was really, really good. And now our job as, as a committee, obviously they're invited. They were so good now they're probably on the committee, um, <laughs> whether they like it or not. But they, uh, we have to use their information uh, to move forward in a, in a positive way in our goal setting for that group. And the other one was uh, we met, uh, Mr. Moran and I met with the CAP leadership team. Um, we also had Mr. Marshall there, Ms. Eckersley there, uh, Ms. Scobie uh, as well. Ms. O'Leary uh, for Building Rental. We had a one agenda item, which was how to strengthen our partnership uh, with the CAP uh, around uh, the elementary plays, musicals. Um, it was a very uh, collaborative discussion. Uh, it provided a lot of clarity. It's not the first time. It's really one of those meetings where I call it brother meets the road. Like As we come up, and Hanson's play is now in December, so it's right before us. How do we make sure that uh, things go smoothly and uh, we strengthen that partnership uh, between the CAP and the schools. So it was a good meeting. Yeah. And I would add the uh, idea of you know how we fund things, making it less burdensome for our volunteers. Because as we know, as volunteers, there's a lot done. There's a lot to do, and um, so to keep people engaged and offload, you know, some of the some of the you know the real specific things that the district can handle versus the CAP so good to be handle. I will also add the finance subcommittee met earlier this week. We had a first look at the capital budget. And that work in the next week as well. And uh, so really just to go a long look at the capital, some of the capital budget requests. All right, so uh, BRC did meet last night. Um, we are in still uh, working on completion of the Memorial Field Bleacher Project. Mm -hmm. um, Green Acres is the general contractor for that project. Uh, contractual completion date uh, was August 15th for that. Um, we are well beyond August 15th. Um, we are still awaiting um, the finish of the portion of the track um, nearest um, those bleachers. Um, there were uh, some issues with the uh, landing platform between the entrance to the press box and the um, exit of the wheelchair lift. Um, so we uh, expect that work to be completed on Tuesday of next week, as well as um, there was some structural uh, issues or um, some bending of um, some of the actual bleachers um, that was realized um, really after the first um, time that we had people on the bleachers. We do have temporary occupancy. Um, we there will be additional I think it's 250 support brackets that are going to be um, installed that is also happening that work is happening on Tuesday uh, we continue to wait for uh, internet and then for the phone to be hooked up um, for the lift so that we can um, have that inspected by the state and get full occupancy um, so that work is um, is all underway but uh, we're, we're now into a November um, completion date um, and for full occupancy um, so that was a large part of, of conversation last night with the BRC, um, just as the general contractor is, is not kind of fulfilling um, the original uh, um, contract uh, agreement. So uh, we're working through that. Uh, BRC is, is all in agreement. I think we're in a good spot. Um, but right now we're really just focusing on getting the project completed and we'll work through any legal um, issues that we need to after the fact. Um, just very quickly. Um, we also have completed um, two uh, rooftop unit replacements here, um, heating and air conditioning units on the roof of the high school. These were gigantic units um, that were craned onto the roof um, uh, during one of the holidays where we had nobody in the building. 
Um, still working on some control work, but that was almost a $300,000 capital project that's been in the works for a few years. Uh, so that work is uh, nearly complete. Um, the loose playground um, was totally complete as well. Um, although we have some uh, additional funds that um, from that project that are still available. And so we're working on um, some design work back there um, uh, replacement of some basketball hoops that are back there and then there's an area of, around the perimeter of where that playground is where it meets the asphalt um, other play surface uh, and so we're working on how do we how can we um, do something there to eliminate the wood chips um, so whether it's asphalt some different poured in place um, you know surface uh, I think that will really uh, improve that and then we might be able to do some resurfacing of that asphalt area um, and so We'll, uh, we'll work with Principal Lamore in terms of um, that. That work likely won't be completed until the spring, um, but I just want to let you know there is some funds here that we're working um, through that. So there's a lot of other uh, projects that are happening um, in the spring. Uh, we'll start the design bid for uh, unit ventilator replacement at JFK and Hanson. Um, and then that work will probably begin over the summer of, uh, of next year. So that is BRC. Um, sustainability was canceled. We were we had a meeting scheduled for Monday night. That meeting was canceled. Um, our next meeting is, uh, I believe, November seventh. So we'll report back after that. Okay. Thank you. Let me make two plugs for Couch because sure. both of you mentioning it. Yeah. Um, first of all, now is we're always trying to help Couch with getting volunteers, right? And I'm reminded that there are people that are aging out. They're aging out in terms of their children, perhaps being in the last year of a school. So now would be a great time if you're thinking about volunteering to start shadowing people <laughs> for the year to plan for next year. Um, and then you also mentioned that we have, we're looking forward to the school plays coming off the whole cycle of school plays, not just elementary school, but yeah, exciting time. That was it. It really is, thank you. All right, so the next item on the agenda is M other business. Are there any other topics? that we have not anticipated for this agenda. Okay, moving on to end future business. The next open session meeting is scheduled for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022, and that will be at 6 p.m. And with that, I get a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Tonight for me, 4-0. Meeting is adjourned. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.